Bernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. be one of my son Gabriel's favorite songs. Blink-182 Miss You as we get started on a very busy Friday morning, 6.03 New York City. Dark out there and temperatures today not all that warm in the mid-40s right now. We're only going to hit 57 degrees today, but we're in store for a very nice weekend. Temperatures in the 60s, mid-60s and sunny. Be a beautiful day on Sunday. Be a football Sunday. Jets taking on the Patriots and Giants Taking on the Seahawks. So a beautiful weekend ahead. Today, pretty day. Sunny. It's a little brisk, about 57 degrees. And we've got a huge show coming your way. I mean huge. You just heard the promo. Bernard's kids, both of them, Brendan, his son, and Melanie, his daughter, both live in studio. Coming up at 8 o'clock this morning as we wrap up what's been uh, about a three-week-long Bernard Memorial. He deserves every second of it. He really does. We all miss him. We all love him. So both of his kids will be live in studio for a full hour. Promises to be great radio, very emotional, coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. Chris Matthews. Louie, you remember Chris Matthews? The good old uh, I Miss Days, MSNBC. We would travel to New Hampshire. We'd go to Boston, all these uh, northern cities and states. And Chris Matthews, your friend, would join us. We all got very close. Which- <laughs> I mean, how many times do I have to, am I going to have to do that? It's really funny, though. It's great every time. It's funny for you and me. <laughs> yeah, I think the audience it. loves it. I don't think anybody knows what the heck we're doing. He, uh, he, of course, went on to star on that show Hardball on MSNBC for a thousand years. And uh, but he went nuts. You know, like, like Mike Barnacle, he went nuts, too. And then he got uh, fired, I guess. We had to walk away a couple of years ago. Some nonsensical Me Too crap. But he, um, he's been showing up again on MSNBC, making guest appearances. So Chris Matthews may be back. But he wanted to come on today and say something nice about Bernard McGurk. So we'll talk to Chris Matthews coming up at 9.05. Now, good news. Joe Pinion was able to get a debate with Chuck Schumer coming up on Sunday night. Schumer did not want to debate him, much like Hochul and Zeldin. He got one. It's coming up on Sunday night. Joe Pinion and Chuck Schumer and Joe Pinion will join us 
coming up at 925. <laughs> Good luck, Chuck. Yeah, he's going to get slaughtered. Oh, like, if there's oh. one person I would never want to debate, so it's Joe Opinion. That's so is, smart. That he guy really is, is so smart. intelligent. Yeah. Hey, listen, when it comes to Oklahoma City Thunder basketball, though, he's got nothing on you, Macedonia. Nothing. Yeah, you see, I'm wearing the uh, Luka Doncic jersey. Now, why are you doing that? Because uh, he beat the, the Nets yesterday. <laughs> So I figured it'd be a nice ode. I figured he wear like an Elon Musk jersey today. He took over Twitter, $44 billion. He fired everybody. I love that guy. He's my hero. Elon Musk now owns Twitter. It's official. I'm going to go on today and tweet a whole bunch of nasty stuff because he's not going to stop me. Elon Musk. That is a major story today. And then coming up at 740 this morning, she is Lee Zeldin's deputy governor. Much better than Delgado. Hochul's a guy. Allison Esposito makes her second visit to the morning show coming up at 740. But it's a, it's a hybrid show today. We've got all these great guests, and we're going to honor Bernard McGurk one more time. But also this morning, the very first ever, something we've talked about for a long time, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, the very first ever radiothon for dyspraxia and DCD. I told you the story yesterday, the volleyball story with Gabriel a couple of days ago, what my son has to go through. And it ain't easy. And John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, very, very supportive of our son and me and Danielle and our cause, as well as Chad Lopez, Emily Pankow, and the whole crew. So today we're going to weave in into the program the first ever Radiothon for Dyspraxia and DCD. And a lot of you folks have reached out to me, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Twitter at Sid Rosenberg, Facebook Sid Rosenberg, at New York Morning Best on Truth Social. You've all reached out and said, hey, how do we donate? Well, guess what? Today's your opportunity to donate some money. We don't care if it's $5, $10, $20, or $20,000 like that one. Uh, This morning is your chance to help us out with this charity that has now become, I don't want to say a full-time job, but uh, doing some really cool stuff all over the world, including the UK, Ireland. So with that said, and this is hard to believe, married almost 31 years in this business, now going on 25 years next year, and somehow this is the first time ever that Danielle Rosenberg has been live in studio with me. In fact, as far as I can remember, she's only been on uh, my shows, which include WFAN, three shows in Florida, WABC once. And that was six years ago when I think Bernie, God rest his soul, and Jill somehow coaxed her into calling me for my 50th birthday when she had a birthday cake delivered to Madison Square Garden. But for the first time ever, live in studio with me, my beautiful wife, Danielle. Good morning. Good morning. How do you Um, feel? A little bit nervous. Um, I don't know how you do it. I'm not quite awake. Did you see those six minutes just now? It was like it just kind (laughs) of rolled off. Exactly. Now I understand why you (laughs) fall asleep at 8 (laughs) o'clock. You're not going to remember that, of course, Monday. Why are you so tired? Well, you saw what I did at 6.02 in the morning. Yeah. Probably not. But first, I just wanted to say um, to the audience that I wanted to express and share my condolences with regard to to Bernie. Um, And as you mentioned about the only time that I called in, it was only Bernie who would be able to get me to do it. Because I know that you had tried tried to have me call in to Imus. And even Imus at some point called me and asked me to Please call in, and I would not do it. So, but Bernie got you to do it, absolutely. Yeah, and over the years, you got to know um, Bernard very, very well, Danielle. Yeah. And I know that you you really loved him too. And he was great to Gaby and Ava and you. He loved you. He was so excited for you when you were sworn into the Supreme Court. A 
thousand percent. And I really, really, really appreciated how warm he was and how kind he was to both our children, yeah. actually. So it was a sad night. Uh, we were laying in bed watching TV when Mike Breen called the Yum Kipper night, and it was just um, yeah, terrible, terrible. Well, they'll be in today, uh, Bernie's kids, both Brendan and Melanie. That promises to be a, a very emotional and very nice 8 o'clock hour coming up this morning. But you're here for a very important reason this morning. Our son Gabriel, once again, as a little boy, was diagnosed with dyspraxia. You have been on a mission. This is great mothering, by the way, great mothering. You've been on a mission for 13 years, basically, to uh, find out more about that disability, get the word out there about that disability. I've said many times uh, the disability here in the United States kind of goes unnoticed, undiagnosed, where autism gets all the play in countries like the U.K. and Ireland. They talk about dyspraxia. Here in the United States, we talk about autism, yet there's probably millions of people, including me, including me, that have dyspraxia. So for folks that are just tuning in and want to donate this morning, learn more about what Gabriel has, Give them a little uh, summary version, Danielle, of what you've been through, what Gabe's been through, and what we're doing here this morning. Certainly. Um, Well, what we learned is when we had Gabriel, he was hitting a lot of the emotional and intellectual milestones. He was smiling. He made eye contact. He was engaged. But if you recall, he wasn't rolling. He wasn't pulling himself up. He wasn't crawling. He never went through those progressions, those normal physical milestones. And... um, We were told basically that, you know, every child develops at their own rate and that he was very heavy. So that had something to do with it. He was a fat little kid, wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) And um, now he weighs about 30 pounds soaking wet, my son. He's a long string bean. Right. So, and if you recall, when we would change him, sometimes to get him to sit up, we would actually have to hold his legs down because otherwise he would jack up. Right. Jackknife, rather. Right. Um, and he wasn't able to sit up. So, um, Be careful, Danielle. I, live yeah, radio. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you needed more delay, and I was almost ready. Yeah, it was a jackknife. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those were the type of things that we were noticing. But he was smiling, making eye contact. He spoke very early. He laughed um, at jokes. He w- We knew stuff was going on upstairs. So um, our pediatrician kind of reluctantly said, we'll give you early intervention. He was about 15 months old at the time, and he still wasn't doing all these things. He wasn't walking. So we had, thank God, the early intervention, and um, he learned to walk uh, within about four and a half, five months. But it was a struggle, Um, and we were very happy. But we still didn't know what the problem was. Um, and then we were told that if he wasn't able to jump, uh, do certain, uh, fine and gross motor skills tasks by the age of three, that we should seek further intervention. So of course those things happen and we sought further intervention. We took him to Miami children's hospital and we had him diagnosed by Dr. I believe Trevor Resnick. Right. You love that guy. Yeah. A pediatric neurologist. Well, you know what? He, you are not a big fan for different reasons, but right. he gave well, him I've the stated appropriate... Well, i reasons are, don't tell me what my son can't do, won't be able to do, which my son, our son, right. has been able to do. He'll never lead the league. I mean, I, I get it, and, and thank God he was there to diagnose him, so we knew what he yes. had, which was a major relief. But the way he said it, he was such a dick, and uh, my son has uh, done things that he said he would never do. All right. 
Anyhow. <laughs> Don't get mad. It's the truth. <laughs> so when he gave him the diagnosis, dyspraxia, he told us dyspraxia, and we were like, what is that? And we started researching it. We were Googling it. We were on our phones, and every piece of information came from the U.K. So we just showered Gabriel with all these various interventions, OT, PT, speech, everything. And he was in regular public school. He didn't require any special needs type of education at that point. And um, he did great. And uh, then we moved to New York, and he was about seven, and we went and put him into a typical public school here. So he went from a classroom of 17 kids to 30-something kids. And it was a struggle. And it this was is much where, different. Bernard was uh, really helpful here, too, because he was very familiar with what was going on. And I would come in after a long night. You and I both had a lot of long nights, Danielle, back mm-hmm. then. And I'm not going to get into specifics as to what happened. I will tell you, the school was peck slip. And I've been over that a million times on this show. Um, but um, long story short, Bernie helped me out quite a bit during those days because it was a very rough time for Gabriel and, in turn, a very rough time for me and you. Right. And to be really, really fair... Deirdre and Don I miss, yeah. were major. Huge. And putting us in touch with various organizations, um, Skip of New York in particular, um, to help with Gabriel and help deal with that particular time frame. But the bottom line is, is that he looks pretty typical if you take a look at him. He looks like your average kid. But the Bottom line is he's not inside. Um, it takes him longer to process information sometimes, especially when it comes to motor skills um, and certain tasks like long division, division and short-term memory things. So sometimes things have to be repeated. Um, when he gets anxious or nervous, um, his speech sometimes becomes delayed. He will stutter too sometimes too. And he will stammer. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just... It's something that affects various people differently. Um, We were fortunate enough that we had such a big red flag that he wasn't able to walk that we were able to get really um, early intervention. But some children aren't diagnosed until they're 5, 10 years old. Some people who are older were never diagnosed. But in the U.K. Like me, like me, for example. Well, you haven't been... You haven't been formally diagnosed. Yeah, but you know I've got it. You've got something. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. Okay, fine. Well, I can't button button my button sometimes in the morning on my shirt, and I start freaking out. I start sweating, having anxiety attacks. Right, but the bottom line is that you can eventually. Well, eventually. eventually. It took me 44 years. But some people cannot, cannot zipper their coats, cannot button Mm. their buttons. Mm. They can't um, (laughs) open up certain packages. Uh, So far, I'm three for three. They can't (laughs) open. In a door, they don't know if they should turn it to the right or to right. the left. Do you push? Do you pull? Right. Um, I couldn't tie my laces for the longest time. Right. For the longest time. And here we go. Yeah. I mean, the only I know it's all about you, Sid. <laughs> exactly. The only difference with me is that somehow, mm-hmm. while I did suffer through all of this, like my son, I was a tremendous athlete, as you know very well, watching me play basketball at Marine Park for hours a day. How good was I, Danielle? Be honest. Um. For the geriatric. <laughs> okay, fine. You not see, I, you know, I, that's not true. You know that's not, not true. Not and then I, yeah. I like to say that your positive attitude um, really helps with Gabriel. Um, you. And you really help um, give him the support that he needs. Thank you. Um, but look, I want to be a little bit clearer to the listeners that he can throw a football now. 
but it's taken a really long time. Right. It's not great. No. He doesn't play football. No. But we've gotten to the point where we can have a catch. Mm, um, sometimes. Sometimes. You ever see the movie uh, when uh, De Niro and uh, what's his name? He's dead now. He killed himself. Uh, Robin Williams. And these uh, people are in wheelchairs they suffer from. I forget what it was. Some catatonic state. And in the beginning of the movie, just to see if the medication was working. Oh, awakenings. <laughs> awakenings. They would take a tennis ball and throw it at these folks in the wheelchairs to see if they would actually catch the ball. Yeah. And time after time, it would hit the people in the face. <laughs> and the ball would just fall. Sometimes Gabe is like that. But he's gotten so much better. This is where I got angry with the doctor, to Danielle's point. Because there was a time you'd throw him the ball, it would just hit him in the face. Right. And now when he was able- much younger. And that's very yes. important because... What happened was he wasn't able to react when he was younger in time. So if he fell, his arms wouldn't go out to right. stop him. He would fall like a tree in the forest, and he would just land on his face or his head. All the time. And he did have a couple of concussions when yep. he was younger. Yep. Um, and these things do not go away. These are permanent neurological issues that people with dyspraxia face. So there may be times where their motor skills appear to be improved because they're younger, they're stronger, they've had more experience going through uh, a certain set of circumstances. So their recall, oh, this is the door, I turn the handle to the right, or I turn it to the Mm. left, or I push, or I pull. But again, as they get older, things regress again. So um, basically... We started this foundation because there is not a lot of information in the U.S. about this. And we want to raise money to help fund the foundation so that we can set up a database, for example, a referral database, where people who have dyspraxia or their children have dyspraxia can go to and find the appropriate medical or clinician um, to work with their child or their adult. Um, you t- give me the signal. No, keep going. Okay. All right. About thirty um, seconds. You need PT. You need no. OT. You need legal assistance because here in the state of New York, if your child isn't getting a free and appropriate education within the public school institution, sometimes they need a private school, and you need special needs attorneys who are experienced with this to help you navigate through the process. So those are just some of the things that. Um, I'm laying out right now, and I'll get to the others after the break. All right. The Spotlight, uh, Spotlight Foundation for Dysproxy and DCD, like Danielle's talking about, will help raise awareness within the general public and consequently reduce stigma associated with dysproxia and DCD-related symptoms. To learn more, of course, you can go to our website at spotlightfoundationdysproxia.org. And to start making donations as we speak, you can go to our station website, wabcradio.com. You'll notice a button at the very top of the page, folks, where you scroll down on that button. It talks about all the charities here. We're the number one, the top spotlight foundation, number one on that page. You can donate there or you can call right now, 1-800-890-9088. That's 1-800-890-9088. And help make a difference for Gabriel and millions like Gabriel around the world. Huge guest list today. Danielle's going to stick around till about 7.30. Bernie's kids will stop by between 8 and 9. Some other really big-name guests along the way. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Welcome to the Friday edition. More of Danielle and Sid right after this. It's always your time on you. 
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. at 628 on your Friday morning once again. Big show coming up. Bernie's two children, Melanie and Brendan, coming in at 8 o'clock. My wife, Danielle, is here as we speak. It is also today the first ever here on this program, at least, the first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon. And you can donate right now by going to the WABCRadio.com website. You'll see a button at the very top of the page for the foundations here at WABC. Spotlight is the very first one. You can donate there or call 1-800-890-9088. That's 1-800-890-9088. We don't care. Just uh, help if you can today. And Gabriel, of course, has been diagnosed with dyspraxia, our son, as well as millions of others around the world. We'll get back to Danielle in a second. But Joe Biden, as my dear friend Bernie would say, the imbecile in the White House, was at it again yesterday out in Syracuse with Kathy Hochul. If you don't know, the New York Post today has officially endorsed Lee Zeldin, which we knew they would do. And we've endorsed Lee Zeldin a long time ago. But it is a big deal. Cover of today's New York Post, Lee Zeldin has been endorsed. Kathy Hochul out there with Joe Biden yesterday. And Biden, once again, as only he can do, lying for the better part of one hour. He talked specifically about the economy yesterday. And what's funny is that Syracuse is one of those towns in upstate New York that Andrew Giuliani and Harry Wilson, who actually sent me a text yesterday about Bernard, and Rob Astorino and Lee Zeldin talk about all the time. Syracuse, Binghamton, Rochester, Utica, Monticello, all these towns in New York that are dying. And because they're dying economically, that's when the drugs come in. And you start to see fentanyl deaths and crime. And that's a huge issue, including Buffalo. 
But, of course, all Kathy Hochul cares about is those Buffalo Bills stay home. So Joe Biden is in Syracuse yesterday with his uh, press gaggle is there as well. And he's telling everybody things are great. Things are great. It's a complete, as Joe Beningo would say, disaster. Here is uh, Joe Biden number one with the press gaggle in Syracuse yesterday. Report today, the GDP report. Things are looking good. (laughs) Things are looking good. Then he goes on to say that his plan is working, unlike the Republican plan. Of course, we know that when Donald Trump was president for the better part of three and a half years until COVID came along, we never did better. The stock market was reaching all new highs. Every community, African-American, Latino, it didn't matter. Everybody was doing great, great. No one is doing well these days, yet Joe Biden continues to lie and said yesterday, my plan is working, unlike the Republicans. Lewis, this is Joe Biden number five. Today's announcement is the latest example of my economic plan at work. I've said from the beginning that my objective is to build an economy from the bottom up, bottom up and the middle out. Yeah. Economy that rewards work, not just wealth. An economy that works for everyone. So the poor have a ladder up, the middle class can do better, and when that happens, the wealthy do very well. They don't get hurt at all. They do very well. Mm. It's a fundamental shift, and it's working compared to what the very conservative Republicans are offering these days. What is, what's out. working? What is working? Inflation is 8.2%. Yes, it's down from 8.5% to 8.2%. When Donald Trump left office, it was 1.3%. Gas prices are up nearly a dollar. Supply chain issues are still rocking this country. And around the world, the economy is getting worse and worse, and we're not helping. What is, what is, what is working here? What am I missing? He talks about inflation being down here. Yes, it's down from 8.5 to 8.2. Still putting a stranglehold on almost every American across this country. This is Joe Biden, number seven. Today, the GDP results came out, and the economy, in fact, is growing. (laughs) In fact, the economy grew at 2.6% rate last quarter. And although it may not feel like it for everyone, people's incomes went up last quarter more than inflation went up. Right. And enough growth... And they clap, these idiots. So economic growth is up. The price of inflation is down. Real incomes are, on, really. going, are up. Nope. And the price of gas is down. Yeah. Things were so high before, Biden, you moron, that eventually, yes, gas prices will come down. Inflation will go down. They are still at astronomical numbers. What good is going down? When we get to 2 or 3%, Joe Biden, then you can beat your chest. Not at 8.2. But, of course, it would not be a Joe Biden day without blasting Donald Trump, which he does twice now. One thing Donald Trump did, he brought, well, he did more than one thing, but he did bring jobs back to America. He promised he would do that, and he did. Big companies came back here from countries like Mexico and China. With the Democrats, they leave. They run out of here. And yet Joe Biden had the balls yesterday to say that he's bringing back manufacturing jobs unlike Donald Trump. It's a complete opposite. This is Joe Biden, number eight. The previous president made a string of broken promises in places like Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, where promised investments in jobs and manufacturing never materialized. (laughs) But layoffs... And shuttered factories did materialize. On my watch, we've kept our commitments. Watch me. On my watch, made in America just a sl- just in just a slogan. It's a reality. Made in America. Uh, what a mess. 
What a mess. So that was Joe Biden with Kathy Hochul in uh, Syracuse yesterday. You know, I, I tell people, Danielle, all the time they go, um, so does Danielle love the show, you know? And I said, I, I think Danielle likes the show when she listens, you know? And they go, what do you mean when she listens? And I say, well, you're not going to believe this. Her husband is number one in New York. Number one. Everybody talks about this show wherever we go. And yet Danielle doesn't really listen. And they're like, well, maybe she likes music. I go, no, no. So why don't you tell the folks who you listen to in the morning rather than your husband, who's number one? Okay. So let me just. Move towards the mic, by the way. Move let me just the give you a little context before uh-huh. I answer your question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Life is hard enough as it is. Okay. And especially nowadays, everything is a little bit more difficult. All right. Um, financially, uh, children's age, we have a daughter overseas in school, <laughs> our son, so also my job. But wait a second. Didn't you just wait a he- second. Wait, didn't you just hear Joe Biden? He said things are great. Okay. Yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So as you know, my job, I try not to take it home, but sometimes I do. A lot of times. And I deal with a lot of people who need help, <laughs> um, whether they're going through a divorce they're having issues at work, and they're angry. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with financial, emotional issues and problems at home. And I just want to laugh. But I want to laugh all morning long. You want to laugh distra- all morning. Right. I need a distraction. Right. Sure. And, yes, I used to have a particular radio show that I would go to prior to COVID because all that show focused on was, honestly, like 13-year-old degenerate humor. You can, it was say, just you, like, you can say his name. Okay, Howard. Howard Stern. Howard Stern? Right, because it was just funny, nonsense, ridiculousness. And but since COVID, he talks about politics as well. Right. And I don't I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear negative negativity. I just want to laugh and hear like stupid stuff. Right. Um, We do a lot of stupid stuff on this show. Even when we talk politics, it's relatively stupid. Right. Yeah. And also, (laughs) like sometimes, as you know, I'll text you uh-huh. <laughs> and i'll say make sure you say allegedly uh-huh. or something like that right and i just well, you know, every wife does that bernie right. would get texts from carol all morning long i understand but i yeah. don't want to argue when we get home and i just figure it's better i stay in my lane you stay in your lane but, then, and it, but, but you realize when you bring up howard at home which you do all the time on howard stern today i'm like danielle i'm on the air at the same time i'm your husband i'm right. number one it would be like me going you know d I'm gonna, I want to go to court one day mm-hmm. and watch an attorney while they're doing their job because I think it'll be exciting. I'm not going to go watch you, though. I'm going to go watch your friend, Danielle, in, uh, you know, in Huntington instead of watching you. Why How would, would you think that your skin yeah. would have thickened by now? So no, It hasn't. No. Okay. <laughs> I'll be quiet, Lewis. Don't feed into this. Doug Kisler, by the way, is, uh, has checked in here, and we have a ton of people who have already donated on the website. Thank you, Doug Kisler. We've got uh, Regina Keller. We've got Patricia Palos. Patsy Siciliano, a longtime fan of me and Bernie and Don Imus. Donald Bernstein. Diane DeVito. Gerard Paris. Elise Aicho. Karen Wicks. 
Sorinda Fulgioni, she's actually uh, donated twice, and uh, Elle McMean, who's also an attorney and a musician and uh, is a big fan of ours. Once again, you can donate all morning long to the Dyspraxia, the Spotlight Foundation, at the website, wabcradio.com. There's a button at the very top of the page. You just hit that button. All the foundations will scroll, and we're at the very, very top spotlight. You can donate right there or call 1-800-890-9088. This is my sister Lizzie's company. They are standing by all morning long, 1-800-890-9088. And quickly in the next two minutes, Danielle, because we've got Dr. Patricia Tamplain coming on. Yes, Priscilla, I should say. I just wanted to get to what the funding allocation is because that's something that I would want to know if I'm donating. Where are my dollars going to? Sure. So what the organization, the foundation, is going to be doing is creating a national referral database. So that includes the medical community. Um, We want to have experienced medical and clinician uh, persons who are experienced with working with persons with dyspraxia that we can refer to people who go to our website around the country. Um, We want to be able to refer people who need assistance with in the legal arena, Disability and Special Needs Council, so that they can get assistance with obtaining a free and appropriate education for your child that may not be, be met at their current educational institution. We are also working on a program with regard to educational professionals. We're going to be rolling out a program for schools, both private and public. We're creating a survey, and we're going to have a focus group um, to find out what these educational professionals need in order to work with people who have dyspraxia and have been diagnosed with DCD because their needs are different in a classroom than typical learning children are. All right. Uh, we're also going to be working, uh, providing information and resources to working professionals because there are adults, obviously, who have dyspraxia and DCD, and they need support in the workplace, things like reasonable accommodations, Um We're going to be having an annual conference for in the U.S. for medical professionals to liaison with those in the U.K. and the European Union um, so that the two can um, meet and information can be shared within the medical community with regard to how to diagnose and assess persons with dyspraxia and DCD. We want to develop a, a legal program where they can get continuing legal education Credits for uh, working and representing persons with dyspraxia because their needs are different than other special needs persons. Um, we also want to engage in community awareness and things of that nature. I'm getting... 1-800-890-9088. That's how you donate right now. 1-800-890-9088 or at the website, wabcradio.com. Many of you already have. We're also going to auction off some items today that you folks can bid on, one being come watch this show live. That's right. You can come down to the studios, watch me do this show live. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Leslie Slender checks in. She says, you and Danielle sound great. I just donated. Thank you, Leslie Slender. And yes, John Katsimatidis will join me and Danielle coming up at 7.05. But it is time for sports. Busy night last night. We had an NFL game. We started week eight. And the Nets, we're back on Flappish Avenue. Here's my guy, Justin Ellick, 
to tell you all about it. Well, thank you, Sydney. I am Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Just the Nets in action locally last night as they welcomed in the Dallas Mavericks just to fall 129 to 125 in overtime. Luka Doncic led all scoring with his 41 points to go with 14 assists and the duo of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving once again were the only Nets who showed up, combining for 76 of Brooklyn's 125 points. Katie was asked following the game what Brooklyn needs to fix to get back on track after their one and four start. Everything. Yeah. Everything. You look at your whole team and look That's at your whole, all your schemes and just try to fine-tune it all. Sounds like hard work. Up next for the Nets is a date with the Indiana Pacers at home in Brooklyn, set for tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. As for the Knickerbockers, they'll be in action tonight in Milwaukee to tip it off against the Bucks at 8 p.m. Eastern. And also tonight on the ice, you've got the Islanders set to skate with the Hurricanes in Carolina at 7 p.m. Eastern and the Devils on, on home ice tonight against the Colorado Avalanche at the same time. And don't forget about baseball either. you got the World Series kicking off tonight. Game 1 between the Phillies and Astros is also slated for uh, tonight at 8.03 p.m. Eastern time. you got Verlander going up against uh, Philadelphia's Aaron Nola. And Week 8 of the NFL season got underway last night in Tampa Bay between the Bucks and the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he went for two, 238 through the air and a pair of second-half touchdowns as the Ravens rally to a 27-22 win over Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, the two TBs. The Bucks moved to an underwhelming 3-5 on the season and the three straight losses for Brady are the longest skitties endured since 2002. Locally, this How weekend... How happy is his wife right now that oh my he's God. bombing? Did you, see that bombing. Re- did you see that report that she gave him an ultimatum? She said, retire yeah. now or I'm leaving for good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she wasn't kidding. No, I don't think so. And if they were 7-1, and one, it would be like, okay, maybe it was worth it. They're 3-5. Right. and five. Yeah, they're not even good. They're not even good. He's like withering away. The guy looks like he's lost 100 pounds. It's like, honestly, a little bit concerning. <laughs> Locally this weekend, you got the Jets are two and a half point uh, home underdogs against the Patriots Sunday at 1 p.m. And the Giants, they're three point underdogs on the road against the Seahawks Sunday at 425. Both teams still pretty good, but not getting any respect from Vegas. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Back here on the very first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon, something near and dear to me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, and our son, Gabriel. And here we are having our first interview on this very important topic. And joining me right now is Priscilla Tamplain, very, very impressive lady, great credentials, associate professor, Ph.D., University of Texas at Arlington, Texas, UTA Department of Kinesiology. Priscilla, Ms. Tamplain, Sid Rosenberg here in New York. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you for having me, Sid. I would love to talk to you about CCD and dyslexia. Yeah, no, we're really happy you're here today because we've been fighting this battle for years now, Danielle and myself, where, you know, you go to the U.K. and dyspraxia there is treated like autism here. Same thing in Ireland and other places around the world. But a lot of people in this country, when I say my son Gabriel has dyspraxia, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So let's start right there. Why do you think, Priscilla, that there is so little knowledge out there about this particular disability? Right. So that's a great question. Um, I agree with you that there is not a lot of awareness about dyslexia in the USA. I do feel like Americans need to, they need to understand a disorder like CCD 
or dyspraxia, it needs to come from within, right? So a foundation like the Spotlight Foundation will really bring the awareness that we need. So there's already a lot going on in the UK, in Australia, um, and other European countries. But I think when it comes from the U.S. and and people are saying, look, this is a real condition, this is how it affects children and adults, then I think things will change. I agree with you. See, when you see my son Gabriel, for example, he's a brilliant boy, great sense of humor, pretty good athlete, by the way, which his doctor, when he diagnosed him with this practice, said he would never be. He was wrong. But when you see Gabriel, you'd never know he has an issue. Every now and then he'll do something physically where you go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. But for the most part, you would never ever know, but it is there, so explain to folks, most kids and their adults who have dyspraxia, DCD, what will they notice about these particular people? Right, that, was, that is a great point, is that uh, DCD, and I apologize, I'm using the names interchangeably, right, because they mean the same thing, so we're going back and right. forth, but it means the same thing. I, um, It is a hidden condition, right, so um, we, and, and we're talking about very bright kids, just like your son. So um, the motor system just underlies everything we do. So we're walking, we're using so many senses to control our posture. We are writing, so we're controlling the way we're sitting. We're holding the, you know, our notebook, our pen. And and so there's so much going on. And, and individuals with the condition have a hard time organizing everything and creating a motor output that is very accurate and precise. Um, now, on the other hand, everything else is, in my experience has been that it's really, really great. So I have seen hundreds and hundreds of children with DCD, and they are very bright. They understand everything. Uh, they're sweet. And it's very hard sometimes for people to understand that a condition does not need to impact the mm. cognitive system or other systems. It's very difficult to see the motor system. Priscilla Tamplain, Associate Professor, Ph.D., University of Texas at Arlington, Texas, Department of Kinesiology. Yeah, my son, for example, and, and me too, I, I am uh, 99% sure, Priscilla, that I actually have this proxy, but I was born in 1967. They had no idea, but I had the same difficulties doing standard stuff, tying laces, you know, button buttons that my son has today. But there's also an emotional side to this disability, and I've seen it uh, rarely, but every now and then with my son. But I would guess kids or even adults who have a more serious case of this, it's more noticeable. What are some of the emotional symptoms of DCD? Oh, what a great question. Yeah, this is we see because there is such a big understanding of the difficulties. We're talking about kids here that understand that they are not being able to perform at the level desired, right? So they struggle moving around uh, with fine growth motor skills. So we mentioned fine, fine motor skills. And um, and I think that knowledge of, um, I, I know what I need to do, but I am having trouble doing it. I can button my shirt and tie my shoes and, and do other things um, tends to cause some difficulties, right? So we see things like anxiety levels, um, in, you know, uh, even, even depression these days. And, um, it, it, and, and 
a difficulty participating, you know, in groups where where it might be very visible that that there is difficulty with motor skills. Um, so definitely, and the older the child gets, um, the more visible it is, right? So that I I, I want to withdraw from activities. Um, you know, a, a very high level of frustration, and I don't understand why I can't do it. Um, so that's what we see in childhood. This is the first ever, the first annual Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon. Uh, started, of course, uh, by Sydney, me, and my wife, Danielle Rosenberg, inspired by our beautiful son, Gabriel. And joining me once again right now is Priscilla Tamplain. Hey, Priscilla, what do you think the number is? That was a very tough question. But what do you think the number is of folks that actually have DCD, dyspraxia, here in the United States? Right. Um, first of all, let me say that I'm so excited to hear about the Spotlight Foundation, and I'm looking forward to see all the work that you all will be doing with this. And thank, thank you, you for using your platform for that. Um, we actually have some pretty good statistics. Um, so it's estimated that 5 to 6% of school-age children at least have this ED. So we can calculate that to be about 1% one in every 20 uh, group of children. So um, translated that, that's a pretty high number. So it's very underdiagnosed and not known, like you mentioned, but the prevalence is very high. If we compare that to autism, which is a very known, right, neurodevelopmental disorder, it is three times as much. So once once we get the awareness going, um, uh, We'll see a lot of a lot of DCD uh, coming up. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, folks are diagnosed with autism who may just who may have dyspraxia instead. They just don't really know. Again, the knowledge is not there. That's why our foundation is so important. That's why the work that you do, Miss Tamplain, every day is so important. And uh, I'll end it with that. Are you right now uh, confident and uh, and actually heartened? But that A, that more folks will become aware, and B, that not just our foundation, but other folks are bringing DCD dyspraxia to the forefront. Oh, absolutely, yes. So I do research with uh, mostly children with DCD, and it is my passion. Uh, It is such, like we were saying, it's such a great group of kids. And I think this, you know, when we bring together um, the research and, and new intervention methods and diagnosis and the awareness that you all will be bringing to the table. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll bring light to a lot of individuals that are having these difficulties, but they don't know what's going on and they're blaming themselves. Um, so when this happens, all the emotional and social issues that we're talking about will hopefully um, go down. And that is, that's what I would like to see, and I know I'll see with the work. Priscilla Tamplain, once again, Associate Professor, UTA, Texas Arlington, works very closely with DCD Dyspraxia. I have to tell you, thank you so much for hopping on this morning. This is a very big deal for our family, for millions of others who may, in fact, have been diagnosed with this or don't even know they have it. So thank you for your great work uh, every day and your work this morning. God bless. We'll talk again very soon. Once again, thank you so much. 
Thank you for bringing this to all the people that need to hear about CCD and dyspraxia. You got it. We will uh, take a short break. We'll be back right here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This was uh, Bernie and Carol's first dance, I believe, only you. And we are going to continue to memorialize my dear friend and partner, Bernard, coming up this morning. What promises to be a really great hour coming up at 8 o'clock. Both of his children on the way in right now as we speak from Long Island. His son, Brendan, and his lovely daughter, Melanie, are both coming in to sit in with me for a full hour this morning. So you'll get Brendan and Melanie McGurk live coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. Don't forget, coming up at 7.40, Lee Zeldin's deputy governor, Allison Esposito, now less than two weeks away from Election Day, coming up at 9.05. This guy loved me and Bernie, was a huge star for so many years at MSNBC, hosting Hardball. He's back. Chris Matthews on today. And Joe Pinion who got what he wanted. He wanted one debate, at least, against Chuck Schumer. He's got it. It's coming up on Sunday night. Joe Pinion will stop by at 925. Now, before we get to our dear friend, we both love John Katzmatidis, who, by the way, just gave us a very generous donation. Thank you, John and Margot. Thank you. We do want to thank some other folks along the way, right, Danielle? Yes, I just did not want to forget to thank Joseph Abood and Corey Zelnick. They've been really, really supportive of the foundation along the way since it's inception especially pre-covid when we tried to have that soft launch and then obviously covid came and everything kind of stopped went away it all stopped all right folks if you want to donate all morning long once again go to the website wabcradio.com doug kisler sending me all those donations are coming in heavy getting tons of hits on our website at the very top of the page there's a button for all the foundations the spotlight foundation is the top button you can donate right there like many of you already have some very generous donations people like el mcmean joe parisi john katsimatidis and others you can also call 1-800-890-9088 that's 1-800-890-9088 but we'd rather you go to the website wabcradio.com and donate there with that said the man that has allowed us to do this today the man has restored wabc to legendary status does a great show every weekday at 5 p.m he's had an unbelievable run here lately cats at night and another great show sunday mornings at eight the cats round table is uh, our friend danielle john katsimatidis john good morning buddy how are you well good morning guys uh, i'll tell you it's a beautiful fall day today and uh 
I'm looking out, and uh, what are you guys doing for the weekend? What are we doing, Danielle? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say again, thank you to you and thank you to Margot for allowing us to have a little bit of radio real estate this morning and promote the foundation. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's for it's for good things. It's for uh, your son. Uh, and um, we all work hard for our kids. That's number one rule for all of us. And uh, no matter what we do for ourselves, our kids come first. And I'm glad you are doing that for your for your son and uh, and uh, and uh, and to remember all children uh, in New York. Don't forget, WABC is a national network. It's a it's an international network. It's a, it's world famous. But we don't forget our community. We're also a community network, and we're here to bring people of New York together. Uh, whether it's it's by religion, whether it's by nationality, or whether it's by action, and uh, uh, and we always do that, and uh, I think you guys doing that is important, uh, and it, it just sends out a signal that we are a community uh, uh, radio network, and um, things are important to us in the community, and uh, we live here in New York, and. Hopefully we don't die here in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you. No, but, you, you you know, you do all those things, uh, John and Margot. In fact, we've got a big day coming up with the police, coming up November 3rd, which I'll mention now. And uh, we do all these other events for different nationalities, whether it's the St. Patrick's Day event, the Israeli Day, the Greek Day. And when it comes to family, see, people know John Katsimatidis, the billionaire. He's got 19 companies. He's on the radio. What I know is... Uh, talking about me and Danielle and our children, what great parents you and Margot are to both AJ and Junior. And you and I will often have conversations, John, up there about our daughters specifically. So parenting for you guys, clearly number one, and you guys both, you and Margot, are great parents. I'll tell you, uh, we try to raise our kids that way, and and you guys work very hard raising uh, your child uh, that way, your, your children that way. The only thing you guys do did that I would refuse to do with my kids is send them away. I mean, London <laughs> is pretty far. Listen, sometimes I told my kids when they were going to uh, when they were going to college, you guys are, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to be a subway away, that's fine. You know, you can go to Fordham, you can go to NYU, you can go to Columbia, but you want to go further than that, forget about it. Yeah, I mean, Ava's personality, there was really no stopping her, and we just, we didn't want to lose her, and uh, this is the best way, and actually she's enjoying it, and she's getting a really amazing uh, experience in education over there. She really is, and it's much less expensive than here in the States. And she doesn't have to take the subway, John. I heard Andrew Cuomo on your show last night, and I was always nervous when she took the subway, you know, talking about kids, you've got another set of great kids coming in, John, in about 50 minutes. And that is both Brendan and Melanie McGurk. And again, we have to commend you, Danielle and I, on the job that you and Margo and Chad and Emily did this week at this station. That beautiful mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral, naming the studio the Bernard McGurk Studio, putting Bernard into the WABC Hall of Fame, that beautiful lunch we had that you took care of at Smith & Molenski's for the McGurk family. Really what you guys did a couple of days ago. And again, today we'll have the kids in studio live at 8 o'clock. Just a beautiful way to memorialize the great Bernard McGurk, John. 
Well, how do we say? We are family. (laughs) You know? It's true. It's true. I I, I won't give up my day job and start singing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And it really felt like family at that mass at St. Patrick's, John. Everybody's speaking. It was a beautiful mass. And uh, Cardinal Golan did a beautiful job. He put it all together for us. And and, uh, the WABC family, we had – it was – Practically full. There was standing room only in the uh, in St. Patrick's, uh, and it was a beautiful mass. And and like I said uh, when I spoke, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral is the highest uh, cathedral in the world, other than the Vatican. So I don't want to get buried anywhere. But uh, <laughs> that would be the place. So uh, be the place. it looks like Elon Musk. I guess he outbidded you for Twitter, huh, John? You uh, you gave it up at forty four billion. <laughs> I'll tell you, in my opinion, I think he's going to do well with Twitter. You do? Yes, I think because you, you were on the you were on the air with, you were on the air with me and Bernard. Uh, God rest his soul. When Elon was first talking about buying Twitter, and you talked about what a dog that company was, just how pathetic that company was, but you think he's going to save it like you did to WABC? Yes. I, I think he's going to save it. I think he's going to make a comeback. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Why should, you know, guys like Amazon or, uh, or Facebook, why should they be worth $500 billion and and Twitter only worth $50 billion? Makes no it sense. It was the worst. It makes no sense. Ten to what? It makes no sense. Uh, it, it was the worst run company that I've ever seen. And uh, it, was, it was very badly run. It was very prejudiced. Uh, they put in. They put in. A, they had their own agendas, and uh, that's. Uh, but but I just wanted to point it out, Sid. Uh, between now and the end of the year, uh, we have back the blue, and uh, we we back our policemen, and we ask everybody to back our policemen and and to keep New York City safe, and we have uh, uh, feeding the poor in New York. Yes. Uh, with Joe San uh, Joe Sano and. Uh, uh, that organization, uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, Feed the Hungry or yes. uh, oh, St. Yeah. Francis uh, Kitchens. Yeah, the, the Turkey Thon. I have to tell you, John, the last two years I've done that with you guys outside the St. John's Church, which is basically right around the corner from Madison Square Garden. And uh, we have all these celebrities and sports people show up, but uh, we have all these folks that really need a turkey that come by that morning, and you guys hand out turkeys to all these people in need, and I'm here to tell you that's one of the best things that you and Margot and this station does all year. And believe it or not, John, that's coming up in less than a month. Yep, and, and uh, after that, December comes around. And you know what we got in December? Frank Sinatra's birthday all over again. I know. That's going to be great. We're going to have a big uh, – uh, well, there's going to be a lot of surprises what we're going to do for Frank Sinatra's birthday, but – we respect the chairman of the board, and uh, Joe Piscopo is out to, uh, to help with that. And, and look, we, we are family. We support the community. We support our friends. We support uh, uh, all in need. And thank you for what you're doing. And whatever I can do to help you, let me know. We love you, John Katsimatidis. Thank you so much. And we mean that. We say well, we love you. We mean that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There he is, folks, the great John Katz Check him out every weekday, 5 p.m., Cats at night, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., the Cats Roundtable. 
What he's done here is nothing short of a miracle. Again, don't forget, big, big show coming up here. 740, Allison Esposito. She's Lee Zeldin's deputy governor from 8 to 9, live in studio. Both of Bernard McGurk's children. We're talking about, uh, of course, uh, Melanie McGurk. Uh, and his son is coming as well, Brendan, coming up at 9.05, Chris Matthews, 9.25, Joe Pinion. The New York City Marathon is a- another huge event coming up here. That is one of the biggest days all year, talking about the community that John's talking about. That is New York. How many times, Danielle, have you run the marathon? Now, New York, New York. I've run New York five times. Five times. I've run about... 36 marathons. 36. And this weekend, I'm volunteering. I'm really excited, actually. I'm volunteering um, at the New York Marathon. I'm going to be one of the finish line ambassadors. So, in other words, when the race is over, and whether it's Tiki Barber or Ashton Kutcher or Corey Zelnick, you will be at the finish line to, what, shake their hand, give them a medal? How does that work? I'm not giving out medals. Um, What I believe I'm going to be doing, we're going to find out Sunday we're doing a walkthrough, actually, at the park. Um, And we're going to get the information. But um, what I believe I'm going to be doing is directing them to aid stations, medical assistance, where the bag pickup is, where to get the – they usually give out a bag with apples and hydration Mm. and pretzels and stuff after the race, that type of stuff. You know, the the Hurricane Sandy, 10 years old this year, uh, Danielle. And they did a whole bunch of things on the news the last couple of days. And I remember very vividly, we're living in Boca Raton, you and I at the time, and you had plans to come to New York and run that marathon. And because of Mike Francesa, of all people, I think, Lewis, I think it was Mike Francesa that finally convinced Mayor Bloomberg to call it off. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't use cops for a marathon when there are still people, like, swimming in the streets like Bernie. Poor Bernie was out there doing that. But um, that was 10 years ago already, that Hurricane Sandy, which did cancel the New York City Marathon. Yeah, I remember. I was actually speaking to some of my, my fellow runners at the time, explaining to them, because they were, were a little bit stubborn, yeah. similar personalities, runners, A-type, <laughs> right. and they were intent on going to run a marathon. I'm like, you don't understand. You're not from New York. People are suffering. Nobody's going to want to see you running through the streets there's going to be no crowd support. They may be throwing things at you. You're going to be <laughs> yeah, asking for true. resources that you don't need and people definitely need. So yeah. you, you really should cancel. And ultimately, it was canceled. Thank yeah. goodness. Corey so. is running it this year for his friend with ALS, which is a yep. big deal. And then hopefully next year we'll get our foundation, the Spotlight Foundation. Yes, I've applied. You've I've applied. applied. All right. Fantastic. Folks, again, to make a donation, thank you to Doug Kisler, Joe Parisi, Mr. Gristidi, who I introduced last week to Stephen Van Zandt. And uh, looks like they're going to carry Stevie's products. He delivered breakfast this morning uh, from Christidis. Thank you, Joe. To make a donation right now, go to the WABCradio.com website. You'll see a button at the top of the page, Foundations. And the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD is the very first one. Donate right there like so many of you have already done. Doug Kisler sent me about 50 names already, so thank you for that. If you can't get to that website, that's our first choice. You can always call 1-800-890-9088. That's 800-890-9088. The Spotlight Foundation Radiothon continues with a bevy of great guests, including Bernard and Carol McGurk's two children on this epic Friday morning show. Thank you, John Katsimatidis. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. More of Sid and Danielle right after this. You are my destiny. When you hold my hand. 
Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Friday, always I have believed in the ability of Americans to understand essential situations largely out of self-interest. good example is the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Voters could easily see that Mr. Trump lacked self-discipline and was going to uproot convention in Washington. It was obvious. But that's what millions of folks wanted after eight years of President Obama and creeping government control. So Trump won. And so did the voters who cared about economic freedom and obeying the law. President Trump ran the economy efficiently, stopped border anarchy, and supported law enforcement. Now we have a divided country once again, but I'm not so sure many of my countrymen understand the Biden experience. Yes, working folks are suffering economically. Certainly the criminal justice system is in tatters. And culturally, Mr. Biden has largely defined his opposition as anti-democracy. We all know those things. So you would think the president and his progressive allies would be done. I mean, how much more evidence is needed before voters revolt against bad policies and foolish rhetoric? But I don't see the revolt especially in the big cities. I see acceptance of terrible policies and incompetent leadership. I hope I'm wrong. I hope in the midterm elections, American voters send a message. We need effective and honest government. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. 17 years by her side. Broke the same bread. Wore the same clothes. And you said, we're sisters with nothing between. If one of us falls. Other will soon be following Both of you fell the same day You don't know why One of you never woke up And you lay your body down on the floor You're desperate to hear Footsteps again, but this house is on fire. We need to go. on your Friday morning, coming to you live from the recently named Bernard McGurk Studio and Bernard's two treasures, his beautiful children, Brendan and Melanie, on their way in. They'll be live in studio with me coming up at 8 a.m., promises to be a great hour. Right before them, coming up at 7.40, Lee Zeldin's deputy governor, she's terrific, Allison Esposito, former hornball star on MSNBC, Chris Matthews, uh, Chris Matthews, I should say, comes our way at 9.05, and Joe Pinion running against Chuck Schumer. He got that debate. It comes up on Sunday night. 
Chuck will join us at 925. Do want to thank Bill O'Reilly, who has been very, very generous. I mean, really generous. Years ago, me and Bernard actually went to a Bill O'Reilly live show at the theater in Huntington. And uh, what he said to us was, you'll come up on stage with me. And he talked about this during his tribute to Bernie when Bernie passed away. And um, I'll go to you guys and we'll have a nice little riff back and forth. And I'll pay you by giving money to the charity of your choice. This is years ago. And Bill gave a very generous, very uh, donation to the Spotlight Foundation. So thank you for that. And for Howard Stern fans out there, Howard came up earlier. Marianne from Brooklyn just gave us a really nice donation. What, what is it, Lou? Yeah. For the Howard Stern fans, and I just pointed it to you. I know. Well, you know what's funny? When I, when I did my book signing at Michael's of Brooklyn, she showed up, Marianne uh, from Brooklyn. And Danielle loves her. They're, they're kind of friendly, so. She well, just made a nice thing. Yeah. Thank goodness. Do you like the Howard Stern? I know you work with them at NBC I, also. I didn't work at NBC. Oh, okay. So you never met them? No, I met him once. He's a very nice guy. Oh, Howard. Yeah, and I knew Gary for a while. Fla, fla, flo, flo. He's another nice guy. He's a dick. Uh, okay. That's yeah. what I meant to say. All right. But Stern you like. <laughs> yeah, he was just he was quite nice. He was at one of those holiday parties but where you, they had you would never have You would never there. have the balls to say that when Imus was on the air that you liked Howard Stern. Sure, I would. I would say that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he's dead yeah. now. You can say it now. Doug Kisler too. Doug has done a great job all morning long, and I have to wish Danielle, our brother-in-law, Ray Sherry, our beautiful sister, our brother-in-law Albert, who's been so good to you and I. Today he turned sixty-nine. A filthy number for a degenerate like Albert, who you know very well, but uh, a lovable guy. We love him. Happy birthday, Albert. And I think their anniversary then comes tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you wanted to uh, to promote the website, too. Don't forget Allison Esposito coming up next, then the McGurk children. So you want to promote the uh, the website. You're on video now, by the way, Danielle. You, you want to know if you're on video. So. Fabulous. You look gorgeous. Um, promote the website. Uh, and again, if you want to donate, please do it right now at WABCRadio.com. WABCRadio.com. You'll see the button at the very top of the page for the WABC Foundations. We are the first one that drops down the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. And if you can't, for some reason, get to the website we do have a phone number you can call right now they're standing by 1-800-890-9088 that's 1-800-890-9088 but you know you want to send people to the actual dyspraxia website yes i want to give out the website address so people could look up there's much more information and resources about dyspraxia and dcd the website address is the spotlight foundation dash or hyphen Dyspraxia, D-Y-S-P-R-A-X-I-A dot org. So it's the Spotlight Foundation dash dyspraxia dot org. That is the other website where you can find out, uh, when you say more resources and information, what else would they find out there? They'd find out information, uh, more specific information about what is dyspraxia DCD, where the funding and allocation um, for the foundation goes to, what our mission is, they have resources um, under the resource tab, um, books that people could read, um, articles people could read, some more high-profile yeah. persons who have dyspraxia and DCD. There's a webinar by Dr. Amanda Kirby. She is one of the founding members of Dyspraxia UK, right. which we went to in June of 2019. We actually went to 
one of their um, conferences and I had met with the board of trustees and that they said that they would love for a foundation in the U.S. to do some actual legwork and yeah. real work yep. and they would partner up with us as long as we gave them credit for whatever information that we shared that originated from them. So there's information and a link to their foundation as well. There's a link about workplace support for pe- persons with dyspraxia and DCD, the adults. Um, there's a bunch of information. All right. There. So in the next 60 seconds, because I know you're getting set to uh, actually go to work, you've got a real job. Yep. Uh, for folks that are listening, you've been here since 6 a.m. We opened the show together. We've done about 80 minutes together. Yes, we had Tam Plain on and we had John Katsimatidis on. But you have really spoken extensively about this foundation, and people are being very generous. Uh, Dougie keeps sending me more and more donations by the second. So for folks that may have just tuned in, our son Gabriel has been diagnosed with dyspraxia. This foundation, what it means to you, and this opportunity to do a radiothon on our show on WABC, what that means to you. It is probably one of the most significant, important things in my life. Um We've had some ups and downs. Um, I've been able to... (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) Um, In that context, actually, um, we are a very good example of what support is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and you are a recipient, basically, yeah, a recipient, and you've benefited from my support, community support, and this foundation is something that is in the spirit of support. We talk about community. Um, We talk about raising our children and supporting our adults. Um, Some people are not typical learners. Um, They're not typical in the way they move, the way they think, um, the way that they behave. And um, this foundation is something that will be able, it'll be a vehicle for persons with dyspraxia and DCD to support them, to give them the appropriate resources so they can integrate appropriately in society, that they can feel good about themselves, um, and that they can learn more about what it is that they have, or for families, or work uh, employers who are dealing with persons with dyspraxia. It's just so important, and um, it's just very personal, basically. Um, Are you going to start to cry? No, no, I'm not. You're not, I'm not you, Sydney. I'm not no. you. But let's just say when I go to bed, and sometimes you get annoyed by this, yeah. um, I wake up and I start thinking about, like, what Very annoying. we're going to leave behind for our son. Well, this is a good if thing. If he's going to be supported yeah. as in his adulthood. Sorry, I'm tripping all over my words right now. I'm tired. Um, in his adulthood, um, because he has dyspraxia, and yeah. it is not understood. Right. And how is he going to be treated? And how is he going to be supported? Right. And are people going to understand him? And I want to make sure that when we leave yep. this world that him and other people like him are, are good. This is great work. There's no question about it. It's a little selfish because Gabe does have it. But you're helping. You really are, Danielle. Millions of people. You should be very proud of yourself. It's not just me. We also have a team of five people yes. that are amazing that came on board and one of them you're going to be speaking with later um eric sugar yes live from san francisco coming up at 9 40 uh one more thing in about 20 minutes i'm going to bring on both of bernard's children melanie and brendan it's going to be a great hour with those two kids and i know you started the show by sending out your condolences to carol and the kids you've known bernie 
uh, for 25 years, dating back to my first day at WFAN. And you and Bernie were actually kind of close. And Bernie would talk to you and was always very proud of you when you got sworn in at the Supreme Court that day when Trump beat Clinton. Mm -hmm. He was uh, beaming. And you guys were always very, very close. So as kids are driving right now, they're probably listening. What's your message to the McGurk family? Um, basically that despite put all of his, his professional experience and accolades aside, um, him as an individual, um, he was an amazing person and I'm sure he's an amazing father based upon the, the children's character and upbringing. Um, and something that I always say to you at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, you're not going to be. What's really important is to be known about the type of person that you were, not just what your professional history was, but the person that you were, the father, the man, the husband. And I think that they obviously um, recognize what a great human being, what a great father that Bernie was and the impact that he will have on them growing up and going through life. And I think that is amazing and it's beautiful and it's something that people should focus on. It's hard not to get caught up, caught up in work and especially in this industry with the ratings and the competition. But the human being, the father, the husband, the man, that's the most important thing when all is said and done. That is beautiful. You were great today. I know you're nervous coming in this morning. We didn't talk a lot on the drive-in. We had Yacht Rock Radio on. Louie loves Yacht Rock I Radio. Love it. I'm on. Danielle and I, we start playing that on a Saturday, man, and we know it's going to be a good night after that. Oh, Yacht Rock Radio. You and MJ should try that. Yes. Well, we we use several items. (laughs) Danielle took the ferry with MJ last night. I know. MJ said terrible things about you to Danielle. Is that true, D? Yeah. Is that true? You can say it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) She's sworn to secrecy. I can just imagine what those two are saying about you and I. Um, I'm proud of you. I love you. And you did a great job today. I'm proud of you as well. Thank you. Great job today. No, you did great. You I'm did a great job. I'm still not going to be easy on you, though. You're not going to be easy on me? Try make it up. This is a big deal, Danielle. Try and stay up till like, 9.30 tonight. You started the show by <laughs> saying, now I know why you want to go to bed at 8 o'clock. What happened? <laughs> In an hour and a half, it's gone. You see this? And now yeah. I know why. Now it's gone 80 minutes later. Why is that? It just is. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go out tonight. We'll have fun. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, too. Danielle Rosenberg, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, once again, if you want to donate... To this wonderful cause, this being the very first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon, and my wife Danielle is the one who really made all this happen. You can go to the website right now, wabcradio.com, wabcradio.com. There's a button there for all of the foundations here at the station. We are the very first one, the Spotlight Foundation. You can donate there if for some reason you can't get to the website. You can make an 800 call right now, one 800 eight nine zero nine zero eight eight one eight hundred eight nine zero nine zero eight eight but of course check out the website first wabcradio.com and donate to this wonderful cause today bernard mcgurk bernard has been a friend of mine for so long and sid you too sid rosenberg not good great bernie and sid in the morning i love you guys i listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off on the red apple podcast network you guys are doing such a great job. Dougie Kisler telling me we raised nearly $10,000 off the WABC Radio website. Today, our first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon. And again, you can donate right now, wabcradio.com. 
Click on the foundation button on the homepage. Donate right there. If you can't get there, 1-800-890-9088. But for the website, wabcradio.com. So the New York Post today has endorsed my dear friend Lee Zeldin as governor with Election Day now just 12 days away. And he's got an awesome deputy governor. I mean, he's a lot better than Hochul. And Allison Esposito is also a heck of a lot better than Delgado. I've met Allison a bunch of times. She's been on this show a bunch of times. She's a very impressive lady, former cop, tough, but also big heart. Here she is back on the morning show, Allison Esposito. Allison, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. It's great to have you back. So we're pretty cool, Allie, to see the New York Post endorse uh, your guy there, Lee Zeldin, this morning, yes? It was. It was. It was a, a, a big smile on my face when I uh, opened up the paper today and I saw that they officially endorsed him. And then when I read the outline of the, the bullet points of why they endorsed him, it, as you're reading the article, it's just such a no-brainer. There's such a clear contrast to what we have in office now and the change in leadership that future Governor Zeldin is proposing. Yeah, I will tell you that I am biased. I'll admit that right off the bat. I'm biased. I love you. I love Lee. But I tried to watch that debate a couple nights ago from a very even keel, having no real preference. And boy, did he destroy her. I mean, she brought up Trump two or three times, gun laws two or three times, abortion two or three times. That's all she had. And on every issue, he was so specific in his plans on how to improve a broken New York. I mean, I know you were watching it too, Allison. That was a very impressive performance by your guy Lee on Tuesday night. So, again, it's this clear contrast. You saw in Lee Zeldin a man standing there ready to fight for the New York people, a man who has been campaigning for 18 months up and down New York State, holding the hands of individuals, finding out what their priorities are. And he was a man who was standing there talking about the priorities that matter most to New Yorkers. He was talking about crime and public safety. He was talking about the economy. He was talking about our children's education. And then in the contrast, you had Governor Hochul, who was an elitist, out-of-touch individual. She was pompous. She had no affect, and she absolutely wanted New Yorkers not to believe their own eyes. She she played New Yorkers for fools. She thinks we're fools. Like, we're (laughs) going to believe this bright, shiny object that she holds in her right hand. Here, concentrate on the former president. Concentrate on me going after legal, law-abiding, guns-owning citizens. Concentrate on this. Let me say Trump a few more times. Let me talk about abortion that's not even on the ticket. While Lee Zeldin is standing there imploring New Yorkers to see that the change that he is presenting to give them back more of their freedoms, more of their money, more of their independence, and looking to protect them. Government's number one job is to provide public safety and then get out of their lives so that I can provide for my family, decide what's best for my children, and and work as hard as I can to put food on my table and and have a prosperous business. You saw the contrast. You saw a man who was standing there ready to fight, 
and you saw a boring woman crawling across the finish line just because she's a Democrat. Allison Esposito, Lee Zeldin's deputy governor, very impressive lady, joining me again right now. So in that Ohio race last year, Ali, for governor, uh, McAuliffe lost because he made that brutal mistake and Youngkin got the win because, oh, he said basically, why do these parents care so much about education? He actually kind of <laughs> intimated that. And here the other night, and you can't take this one away, at one point, Kathy Hochul actually said to Lee, why do you care so much about crime? Folks, you can't take that away. You would think that's the bullet, Hallie, right there. That means the end of Kathy Hochul, Yes. Well, I, I think that there have been a barrage of bullets from pay-to-play scandals uh, to d- missteps in policy to refusal to accept that they were wrong with their, their cashless bail. Uh, but that – you're right, sir. That was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. How could you care, sir, so much about crime <laughs> and public safety when there's a gang drive-by shooting in your neighborhood while your girls are in their, their, their kitchen doing their homework and a bullet misses them by 30 feet? While you're at a parade in Manhattan celebrating uh, the various cultures that we in New York love to celebrate. Uh, Why do you care so much just because you were attacked on stage at a campaign rally, sir, by a veteran who needed services that was released after attempting and making an attempt on your life within six hours. Right. Within six hours, he Mm. was released without service, without help, Mm. and he could have even been a danger to himself. Not giving judges the, the, the opportunity, the discretion to weigh dangerousness for an individual or, or possibility of reoffense or flight risk or anything like that is a mistake. She has made mistakes up and down this campaign, and she's hiding. She's hiding because she is on the wrong side of every issue. It's no wonder she didn't want to debate him. Right. When she comes out with a line like that, to say, I don't know why you care so, so much about this public safety thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, by the way, uh, former, really yeah, former chief of police Joe Esposito says hello. And, uh, of course, he's, he's talking about your father and what a hero your dad was back on 9-11. So well, thank you for that, Allison. You know, uh, only, a couple you, of, yes, only a couple of days to go uh, before this election now. We're down to less than two weeks, a week from Tuesday. So the last question here is a very simple one. What do you and Lee Zeldin do over the next 10 to 12 days to ensure that all this momentum you've got doesn't go to waste? Everything possible. The last couple of days, and we are not stopping, we have been all over the state. We've been Syracuse, Utica, uh, Rochester, Buffalo, going back to Rochester today. It it has been a full-court press. We will be in Staten Island, Rockland, Queens, Bronx on Saturday. We we are doing rallies. We are doing get-out-the-vote. We are doing last-ditch efforts to make sure that every New Yorker knows our position, our policy, and what we offer. We're also getting people excited because for the first time in decades, they are going to have a possibility to change their government, to look more like them, to bring integrity back to the leadership in Albany, to bring common sense and people-first mentality, people over power back to the leadership in, in Albany. So for the next 12 days, sir, it is everything. It is all on board. We will leave nothing on the field. We will turn over every stone and make sure that every Every single New Yorker knows it's not just a right to vote. It's a duty to vote. It's a responsibility to vote. It's an obligation. And we have to get every single person out there to do so.
You are so good, Allison. You really are. Well, Lee could not have picked a better person. I tell you that all the time. I told you at Steve Loro's house, I almost wish you were the mayor and he was the governor. That's how good you are. So, uh, Let me get through this first. Let me get through this first. <laughs> well, you will get through. You know and- though, I also want to send you big hugs. I, I was. I, I want to send you my, my heart and my condolences and all all the love I have in the world. I was so sorry. I know I hugged you at the Columbus Day Parade, yes, but another you. big hug for the loss of your partner. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. You did hug me at the Columbus Day Parade, and you've always yes, been very, very sweet and nice to me. Uh, every event we go to, whether it's Steel, New Jersey, or Steve Loro's house, somewhere along Island, I have no idea where that was. But uh, at any rate, uh, they're all great events, and you and Lee are doing a tremendous job. And I really believe this. I, I, I can't, to be honest, I could not have said this with confidence about three months ago. But I really believe, Allison, that you guys are going to win next Tuesday and uh, start to save this state, which is crumbling right before our eyes. It's a long road ahead, but I couldn't think of a better job. And I couldn't think of two more passionate and compassionate people that are willing to stand up and do this. Uh, We will do it together along with Joe Pena and Paul Rodriguez and Michael Henry. We have a great statewide ticket. And we're going to bring common sense back to elected office. Joe Pinion will join me, by the way, this morning at 925. It turns out that Chuck Schumer did give him that one debate. That comes your way on Sunday night. We'll talk to Joe coming up. Yeah, isn't that great? Sunday night. So Yes. Yes. All right, uh, awesome. Allison, you were great. Thank you so much. Continued success. And we'll talk again next Tuesday when you win. How does that sound? That sounds like a plan. All right, out. Take care. Nice to have, have you back. Have a great day. You too. That is Lee Zeldin's deputy governor. I've become friendly with I love this lady. I really do. Allison Esposito. It's a great two hours. Want to thank Allison Esposito. Want to thank Dr. Priscilla Tamplain. Want to thank John Katsimatidis. And, of course, I want to thank my wife, Danielle Rosenberg. We've raised a ton of money so far. Almost $13,000, according to Doug Kisler. You can donate again right now. Go to wabcradio.com, and you'll see the foundation button at the top of the page. Scroll down, the one at the very top, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. That's ours. Donate today. If you can't get there, call 1-800-890-9088. When we get back, this is going to be a very special hour. The McGurks and Rosenbergs are back together again. Bernard's two children, Brendan and Melanie, set to join me for an entire hour. That's coming up next right here on the Friday edition of Bernie and Sid. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. that don't know this was Bernie's favorite Friday song I you go back to the movie Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta and he'd be blowing his hair and getting ready and screaming Attica with the Bee Gees and this was a song for Bernard every Friday we played this and he got all pumped up for his big weekend which he did nothing by the way but 
drink a Foster's lager and sit on his uh, porch back there and um, watch, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, fights or something. But, MMA. Uh, MMA, right? But this got him all pumped up. Folks, this is uh, today throughout the program. We are raising money. Me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, she just left for the uh, DCD, Dyspraxia, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. You can donate right now. Go to the website, wabcradio.com, and you'll see a button at the very top of the page with all the foundations here. We are the very first one on the scroll down. Once again, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD, raised already close to $14,000. You guys have been very, very generous, including Mr. Katsimatidis. If you can't get to the website for some reason, you can call this this morning, 1-800-890-9088. That's 1-800-890-9088. But the website, preferable, wabcradio.com. Now, as promised, on this Friday morning, we had that beautiful mass for my guy Bernie just a couple of days ago at St. Patrick's, and we had the chance once again, I haven't seen these folks since the funeral and the cemetery, to see Carol, Bernie's beautiful wife, and his two really great kids, I mean great kids, Brendan and Melanie, and uh, we promised you that day they'd be back in studio on this Friday. And sure enough, sitting to my left, Bernie's daughter, Melanie, and sitting straight in front of me, Bernie's son, Brendan, the McGurks, and Rosenbergs are back together again. Just the way it should be, right? Absolutely. Right. Nice to have you guys. Nice, nice to, to be, be here. Now, when you look to your right, Melanie, and you too, Brendan, and you see that 77 WABC Radio, the Bernard McGurk Studio, Starting with you, Brendan, what does that mean to you? Uh, it's just, it's huge. I know how much this all, the, his job meant to him and, uh, you know, being a straight shooter and talking on the air was, uh, you know, second to his family. It was everything to him and uh, yeah. it means a lot. It's huge. Pretty cool, right? You yeah. too, Melanie, right? That's pretty Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. I feel like flooded with mixed emotions right now. You know, I'm I'm sitting in the spot where my dad That's sat every single day. Yeah. And I wish it was him sitting in the seat still, but I, I feel really honored to be here and be sitting in the Bernard McGurk studio. It's really such an honor. It really is. And that is his seat you are sitting in. It so. is. And he and I would be just like this. And Absolutely. He'd say something like, you know, my kid, Brendan, he's taking this test and the test is like five hours long. To you know, to work for one of these you know great accounting firms and become a CPA, and then you got a job with like a really big time firm, and uh, he was running around like you were president of the United States. He was so proud of you. <laughs> you are a practicing CPA right now at another big firm, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Not not at the same firm you were a couple of years ago. No, I'm not in public accounting anymore. I was at the big four public accounting firm. Right, right. But was, uh, that's right. Now I've moved to a private industry where the work life balance is a little better. Oh, awesome! So. And you, Melanie. My wife, Danielle, can talk about this because she deals with people like you all the time. In fact, she's going to court this morning in Nassau County. You are on your way to becoming a court stenographer. Are you there already? You're on the way. Not yet. I am on my way to to graduating. It's coming soon. Um, I'm at 160 words per minute, and I have to get to 225 (laughs) words per minute, which is a lot, but it's doable, and I'll get there, and I'm excited about it. What do you do to practice? You have to keep just hitting keys all day long to practice? Is that what you do? Yeah. Well, it's it's not a regular keyboard. It's like a specific machine made for this, like... For this, yeah, yeah, and um, it's kind of like learning a different language. Yeah, and I have to sit there and I listen to audio and I write everything that's being said, and that's how I practice. And you have to just go in increments of twenty. So I started at forty words per minute. 
then 60 words per minute, 80, so on and so forth, until I get to 225. Very impressive. Yes. Uh, he was always uh, talking so nicely about both of you guys. I'll tell you one quick story about you, Melanie. So um, your father was not huge, as you guys know, with social media. In fact, I think his Facebook picture is still him and Sarah Palin for like 20 years. <laughs> and um, I used to say, Bernie, go on Instagram. Yeah, 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 I can't get it. So one day, I'm on Instagram quite a bit. I come in and go, you know, Bern, your daughter Melanie, she's following me on Instagram. And so I followed her back, you know. I'm like, what are my kids, you know? Great. Oh, good, 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 good. She's on there quite a bit. Good, good, good. About two weeks later, I go, you know, Bern, your daughter Melanie's wearing a bikini on Instagram. <laughs> and I kind of feel uncomfortable being on Instagram seeing that picture. It's like my own daughter. Like, I yell at Eve all the time, don't dress like that. I said, so I think I'm going to unfollow your daughter, what should I do? And he's like, oh, no, no, stop, 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 stop. I did not follow you, just so you know. Because- I did notice that. <laughs> I did. But not because I don't love you, because I'm like, it just felt kind of weird for me to, uh, to be on Instagram and see you, you know. Absolutely. And, and, and he didn't go on there, your father, Bernie, so I'm the one who had to bear that, uh, yeah. that, that, that picture. Honestly, I feel like if my dad was on Instagram, I would not be posting those things. If either of my parents were, mm-hmm. I would just not. <laughs> but you haven't done it in a long time. Well, he was sick this summer, so you didn't do that. But no, yeah. 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 So I remember the exact day he was sitting in that chair, Brendan and, and Melody. And um, he was grabbing at his groin, you know, which he did all the time anyway between us. And <laughs> and he said, you know, when I go to the bathroom, it, it burns me. And I said, burn, burn. I'm not a doctor. Anybody can tell you, you have a urinary tract infection. You got a UTI. That is the classic symptom. He goes, I don't think so. I said, well, what do you mean you don't think so? He said, I, I don't know, man. I, I think I may. I said, don't say it. He said, I'm not saying it, but I'm going to get checked this week. And then, of course, that was... Um, Probably early December, and then by Christmas, we knew what was going on. And by the New Year's, of course, it started to become a real disaster until we got to where we were in October. But I remember him that specific morning, right where you're sitting, Melanie, telling me, this thing burns, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on. What was you like at home? I'm just curious. It was really tough at home. And, you know, he, he still wanted to come in to the station to do the show. Yeah. So, but he was unable to sit and drive. So, well, that was because of that surgery he had. Well, was it because of the surgery? Yes, because maybe they, they, it was. Yeah, because yeah. they actually messed up his, uh, his butt, to be honest. They did. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was never able to sit from that day on, which is really unfortunate. But so he would have me drive his car in the morning to get to the station. And I would just I sit over in the other studio. Right. Doing my schoolwork. I, I, I got you a couple of uh, bacon and egg. You, you know, did. Sandwiches. You absolutely <laughs> did. I love that. But yeah, I would just sit there and do my homework and wait for the show to be over. And then I would drive us home or drive us to a doctor's appointment. Like this past year has just been full of appointments. And like he was so uncomfortable. It was yeah. so sad to watch. Yeah. We could actually hear him, guys, moaning. Because, you know, of course, he was doing it from home. Mm-hmm. And Lewis has the equipment where, you know, Bernie would talk through and be on the show. And during breaks, he'd come on the air and be like, eh, uh, Biden's an imbecile and the punk in the pantsuit, Nancy Pelosi, and that, that, that uh, you know, that bimbo Kamala Harris. And then we'd go to break, he'd be like, Carol, and he'd be moaning. It was that bad. I know. Had to be tough for you to watch, too, Brendan. Yeah. 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 yeah it was really tough. It was, uh, yeah, I think one of the worst parts was that he couldn't sit. You know, we couldn't even go out to a restaurant or uh, you wow. know, sit outside, you know. Like, he had to either be standing up or laying down. Or laying down. And yeah. he couldn't stand for that long either. So he would stand for, like, 10 minutes and then be like, oh, my gosh, I have to go lay down. I uh. can't even sit, you know. What's hard for me to believe is, um, for him specifically, because 
you know, guys, he would come in every morning, and me, I, you know, I kind of changed my diet, right? So I'd have Phil go get me a bacon, egg, and cheese. And I get bored of that, then I get like a, a bagel and cream cheese. Your father was so rigid in his diet and ate so healthy. He had the most boring breakfast ever. So the same fiber cereal, a couple of nuts. I'm like, Bernie, don't be afraid to live. Get something. For-. No, no. He worked out. He ate right. So for him, of all people, to go through that and become so uh, vulnerable was really odd because he was the complete opposite of that in his daily habits. Absolutely. You, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, no one could have anticipated this. Like, he was healthy. His heart was healthy. Everything about him was healthy. Hmm. He worked out every day. Like, his pride and joy was going for a run on the boardwalk, yeah. biking on the boardwalk, and then he would flip days, and then he would go to the gym, and then he would do the boardwalk. Like, that was what he loved to do, and he was so proud of his healthy habits. Yeah, he was in great shape, but he would play one-on-one basketball against you, Brendan. And when he would win, <laughs> let me tell you something, he would come in, it was like LeBron James, he's like, ah, and my son's not going to make this, but I just kicked his ass in basketball. And he posted <laughs> on Facebook pictures of you two going at it one-on-one. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I wasn't the best at basketball. I think it might <laughs> It was not... easy to beat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't that hard. But I think he, he used to play one of uh, Melanie's boyfriends, and I think that might be what oh, you're thinking of. Oh, my ex-boyfriend, yeah. He, oh, he I used to play him all of them. He, yeah, you did. He was actually he in He was studio. the guy who was like in the Air Force or something, right? He's, he's in the, the Navy. Navy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. he's in like special ops. It's really kind of cool. You but, don't talk um, to him anymore? No, I do. He was at the funeral. He was at the wake. Oh, he, I don't know who he was, so I didn't still, know that. We're still friends, but definitely. You're, but you're, you're, there's no romance anymore. That's no, over. No, Because I really thought for a while there, I know you got married, obviously, Brendan, lovely girl, and you have a child on the way, right. but my money was on you because you and this guy were like really hot and heavy. It was a five-year relationship. It was a long five time. Five years? It was five years. What did, What happened? Is it his High fault? school through college. No, it just um, kind of went our separate ways, and oh. he was going into the Navy, so it was hard to, you know, stay yeah. together through something like that. Right, right. So, but he was here in studio when you guys were over at Penn Plaza yes. um, to meet uh, Rob O'Neill. That's right. He couldn't wait, because Rob O'Neill, for folks that don't know, was the man that put a bullet right between the eyes of Osama bin Laden, and your father kept saying, Melanie's boyfriend can't wait to meet this guy, and I did meet him that day. That's you did, right. yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty cool. That was awesome. He, yeah. was, he loved that. Yeah. That was great. Did you ever admit to your father, Brendan, that you hate Donald Trump? No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> you could, but if you did, you couldn't even say it. Uh, he would never yeah. disown you, but it would be no. a very miserable existence. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he, he wasn't at home... Uh, he was very easygoing, you know. You could have conversations. He wasn't, uh, wasn't really, like, yeah. It wasn't exactly the same as well, he is come on. on. So you're telling me about Thanksgiving. You're all having Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. You and Melanie and Carol and Bernard, and you just happen to say, "I got to tell you, I saw Trump on TV today. He really is a moron." <laughs> Your father would be okay with no problem with that. He, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he wouldn't get personally offended by anything, you know. He so just... why would you like that with me? <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. You that know? that yeah. was the entertainment he yeah. brought to the show, you know. That's the aspect. <laughs> You know, he, and he told me that, kids. He would say, I don't really care at home. I go, there's no way you could be that enthusiastic and fired up here and go home and not care. You're lying to me. No, But he true. wasn't lying to me. No, he absolutely he'd wasn't. Have, uh, he'd have fans come up to him sometimes that, like, would want to start talking politics. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I'll see you next time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really want to talk about well, it. Well, but to be honest, whether it was politics or not, because I traveled quite a bit with Bernard. Uh, the, the most recently, we went to the Super Bowl together in Atlanta, which was fun. And people would walk, no matter what they wanted to talk about, mm. it didn't matter. He was like, 
nice to me. Okay, I got to go. I got to go. Like they said, you talk to him. I'm like, really? <laughs> I talked to them. So he wasn't as, as brilliant as he was and the great performer that he was. He was never very comfortable with that. Is that fair to say? I would honestly consider him to be like an extroverted introvert. Yes. That's yes. how I would describe him yeah. because he could put it on when he needed to, but like his happiness was sitting at home, like we said, with a beer, watching UFC fights alone in our basement. Like, that's he what he that. enjoyed, he loved you it. know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that about him. I miss that about him. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Once again, folks, if you want to make a donation today, this is, while we're talking to these two beautiful kids, we are having our very first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon. Started this with my beautiful wife, Danielle, at 6 o'clock this morning, and I've raised a ton of money already. If you want to donate right now, go to wabcradio.com, click on the Foundations button, and you'll see the Spotlight Foundation at the very, very top. Make a donation right there. If for some reason you can't get to the website, you can call 1-800-890-9088, 800-890-9088, donate today. We've got another 40 minutes with both Brendan and Melanie McGurk right here as we continue to remember their father, Bernard, a great man, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Eric Sugar, he's actually an adult that has dyspraxia. And I like my son, Gabe, who's only 13. He'll call us live from San Francisco. We're also going to hear later on from another young lady in the U.K. She's 23. She's got dyspraxia DCD. So we'll hear from the both of those folks later on in the program. Also, Chris Matthews, former MSNBC star. He's going to stop by. Joe Pinion, money against Chuck Schumer. They've got a debate coming up on Sunday night. He's going to stop by, too. But uh, what a beautiful hour this has been. After two great hours with my beautiful wife, Danielle, where we talked about dyspraxia, raised a ton of money. I spoke to John Katzmatidis and a host of others. Now I've got this amazing opportunity to speak to two of my favorite people, Bernie's kids, two great kids, Brendan and Melanie. So welcome back. That was a great 20 minutes. You um at the actual funeral on Long Island, not the mass which was also a beautiful service. And Mike Breen spoke and Bo Deedle and I spoke and you spoke. And uh, I guess you found a letter that you wrote. Uh, and you'll talk about this. I'm, I may be wrong in my uh, description. But I think you wrote a letter for school to your father about your father. Maybe you were seven or eight years old. And you read this at the funeral and it was adorable and heart-wrenching at the same time. You handled it well. I didn't. So you brought this letter in today. I did. You mind reading it again, or absolutely? Now, what was the what was the ba- the uh, the backstory behind the backstory this? behind this is that my mom and dad were in the city for chemo, and I wanted to do something special. So I was cleaning out my dad's closet, just making the room nice and organized, and I found this letter that I wrote in second or third grade. Now, how long ago was this? This is he was still alive, obviously. He was coming in with chemo. So how long ago? This was probably in like. March or April, I would say. I found a lot of stuff from my childhood, but this one stuck out to me. And when he got back from his chemo treatment, he was laying in his bed and he was in pain. And, you know, it was really hard to see him like that. But I I handed him this letter and 
Oh my God. The, the smile that he had on his face yeah. through all the pain that he was feeling, I could oh. tell this brought him comfort mm. and happiness. And that's something that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. But and you actually not just handed him the letter, but if I'm correct, you read him the letter. And then you said uh, for the first time you heard him actually laugh and giggle. And... Exactly. He laughed. And I will say it was hard for him to laugh. There weren't many laughs happening in our house at that time. But he did. And he he loved it. Oh, I loved it, too. You're not even my daughter. I mean, you're close, but you're almost my daughter. But uh, I loved it, too. So go ahead and read it for the folks out there right now, if you don't mind. All righty. Could get emotional, but here we go. It's okay. It says, Dear Daddy, I love you so much. There is no other daddy better than you. I love you so much. And there is no other dad that is as skinny as you. <laughs> and I'm not lying. You are the only person that doesn't have blubber on you. You only have flesh. You are so nice. You buy me really good things and take care of me when I am sick and mommy is away. You let me call anyone I want to play with when mom is gone. You are the best, and I just can't imagine having any dad but you. I love you so much. Love, Melanie. What grade was that? I would say second grade. That's better than most New York Times columns today. Just <laughs> <laughs> and that was great. You were great there and great just now. It's adorable. I'm glad you kept that. You, Brendan, you, um, um, I know you've got stuff like that, too, with your father. Mm-hmm. But you admitted to me before you came in this morning, came on the air, I should say, that uh, unlike Melanie, who, who did break down and start to cry, but for the most part, at both the mass and the funeral, did a really good job. You don't think you can do that? You thought you were just, you couldn't do it because you'd break down, right? Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't be able to compose myself, uh, you know, like the way she did. And, uh, you know, it'd just be really hard to... Um Say that in front of a lot of people. You See, know? and you don't. I I know her a little more than you because mm-hmm. I've met her a couple of times more. I'm yeah. happy you and I got to see each other a bunch of times now because you're a wonderful kid and you loved you, but you don't seem that type. You seem like you you may be kind of tough. Like to make Brendan cry ain't going to be all that easy. Maybe I'm wrong. Is is that your personality? Well, I guess that's why I avoid those situations. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're not going to yeah. see it. Ah. <laughs> so, but but actually, I did see you at the funeral in the cemetery, and and you guys, you and your father, were very very close. So when mm-hmm. when uh, Greg Kelly, for example, says to uh, Melanie a couple of days ago, which uh, of these kids uh, was, uh, was your father's favorite, which uh, was a silly question, but, mm. but kind of cute, I guess. And without hesitation, Melanie said me. And uh, you, didn't even, you didn't even say a word. Is that because you know that's not the truth or because you know yeah, it probably is the truth? Well, I wasn't going to fight her on it because, you know, <laughs> it's not a good look. You know, right. daddy's little girl. I'm not going right. to. Right. How am I right. going to fight that? Right. True. Right. True. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if I was asked the same question. I mean, it's because Ava is my older child. You're older, Brendan. You're 29. You're what, 27 27. Now? 27. My daughter's older than my son, and she's in college now in Europe. But my little boy is home. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, I, I discuss different things, obviously, with my daughter than I do with my son. Mm-hmm. What was the last serious conversation, Brendan? Uh, I don't know, you're way past the birds and the bees at this point. You're having a child. But mm. what was the last serious conversation you remember having with your father? Well, you needed his help with something, some advice. Um, well, he would always, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, he always gave uh, a ton of wisdom, you know, like uh, make sure, you know, one of his favorite phrases was delay gratification. And he would always say, you know, make sure you do your homework, make sure you study and you earn the good times. You know, you earn the weekends, You you know. That was the way he was. And so he annoying, that right? Wasn't it so annoying? 
<laughs> at times it can be. He would do that with me. I'd be like, Bernard, it's freezing outside. If you don't know pain, you can't enjoy pleasure. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> but he was right. Yeah. Right? He was right. The late gratification. Nice. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he really was a man. He of, always did that with the little things, too. Like, if we were ever to get, like, McDonald's or something, we would get, like, a chicken nuggets and french fries. And he's like, you have to eat the chicken nuggets first right. because it's healthier. <laughs> and then you can eat the french fries afterwards. So we always had to eat the healthy thing first yeah. Yeah. and then go for the good stuff. But he right. never ate unhealthy things. I swear, Brendan, Melanie, I used to beg him. Right, Lou, you were here. And he just a piece of cake or cookie. I'm sure if you went to Ronnie's place, maybe on a Saturday night, Christine's, mm-hmm. right? Or what else? He liked that, uh, he did that steak the, place. But he did the inspection, though. Did he inspect your food? Yeah, he time? did that, too. Yes. Because he would come mm-hmm. on. Like, if I got something from the cafeteria, he'd say, like, okay, now, uh, how many greens have you got in it? Like, <laughs> how many? Uh, you, no, you need, no. You, a salad is not, that's not yeah. what a salad should be. He did do right, that. It was true. a dissection of your yeah. food. It was like, and I, and I had worked with him for 30 years, and I went, why do you constantly have to drive me crazy about the five minutes of pleasure I get during this show. He, he would do that. That's, That's the food. Yeah. Was he the same way at home like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I remember sitting there at the dinner table and before I ate, I had to drink a full glass of orange juice. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I despise oh, wait, orange wait, wait, juice. What do you mean you have to drink? What does <laughs> that mean? He forced me you to drink wait a orange second. juice. Now he's starting to sound abusive, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> because it was calcium. It was like the healthy stuff. Yeah. And I, till this day, do not drink orange juice. And then he would make me take my vitamins after eating. And I just remember... You know, being stealth and bringing them upstairs and hiding them and <laughs> see, flushing yeah. them down you the see, toilet. You don't know things. Here we are talking about Bernie. Like he's, he, he turns out he's like mommy dearest. No, he's <laughs> yeah, he's militant. That's he it. was. He really was. He was. And then I remember also another time. He, I'm in the car with my friend, and we were like little kids, and we stop at the gas station, and he goes, "Girls, do you want a snack?" And we're like, "Yeah, absolutely, we want a snack." And he goes in and then comes out with one bag of peanuts and one water bottle. That's it. No chips, no goldfish, oh nothing. Peanuts. Now, was he the same way with you, Brendan? Uh, no, yeah. no, same yeah. way. No, he was, yeah. And yeah. he'd make us, uh, he'd be going for runs on the beach. He'd be like, come on, you know, come with me. Let's go. And, you know, we like, never wanted like to. Like he'd like wake you up at six o'clock in the morning, right? Oh, Stop no, playing no, no. Six in the morning. Stop, no, no, never. He wasn't awake until like noon on weekends. Well, he did yeah. say that late. to me. He would always say to me he couldn't believe that by 10 o'clock in the morning Danielle and I would have already gone to the gym maybe taken a, a class you know don't he's like sit I don't get up till one o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. he would always say that that was true that 100% was true. Yeah. that was yeah. true yeah yeah his, his schedule was kind of weird during the week too in that he would come home from work even before me during the Imus days and he would sleep during the day and then wake up like in the middle of the night and start working on the show right absolutely yep. yeah. yeah he he, he would have like two hours of sleep at night that's yeah. it because he always wanted to be up and ready for all the new news that was you know coming on and then he would come home from work and he would sleep for four hours and then he would get up he would go to the gym he would prep and then do it all over again he did that five days a week i'm like how are you like alive you're so sleep deprived two naps a day basically two naps a day exactly that was his sleep right exactly yeah it worked for him Mm -hmm. 1-800-848-WABC 1-800-848-9222 this i'm enjoying immensely this is the good stuff it's great it confirms how really insane right he was he was he was the sweetest as i said in the new york post just two days ago and i meant it the best man i've ever met but a complete 
Psycho. Oh, yeah. It's all true. <laughs> Let's Absolutely. be honest. Yeah. A complete nut job. It's very unique. Mc- unique. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Yes>. the word. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk more with uh, Brendan and Melanie. They'll be here the whole hour, which is uh, fantastic. Again, folks, if you want to help us today, donate to our Dyspraxia Radiothon, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. Please go to the website right now, wabcradio.com. You guys have been so generous, doing a great job today, making Danielle, me, and Gabriel all very happy. You'll uh, click on the button on the homepage, which reads Foundations, and we're the first one that comes down, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. And, of course, if you can't for some reason get to the website, you can make a phone call, 1-800-890-9088. That's 800-890-9088, and donate to this wonderful cause today. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Because he gets up in the morning and he goes to work. Lewis, I just heard something during the break. Usually when the breaks come, I run out of the studio and just walk around the halls and kind of like Vinny the Chin with his robe in uh, Pennsylvania. But um, I'm so intrigued by both Brendan and Melanie and the beautiful kids, and I love them. And the conversation's great off the air and on the air. And uh, Melanie is telling me, this is hard to believe, I'm not even sure if I believe it, to be honest, uh, that her and her mother, you ready for this, Lewis? I might not be. Her and her mother, Carol, listening right now, um, well, I can't even say it, it's not true, it's just not true. I'm not going to say it. Okay, don't say it. It happened. It happened. It did not happen. It happened. Brendan said it happened. It must have happened. Because if Brendan said it happened, <laughs> mm-hmm. what exactly? You want to tell everybody? Oh, let's make. Let's tease it. Something happened. It's hard to believe. <laughs> Knowing Bernard and how we felt about this specific a sport. Oh. <laughs> tell him what happened, Mel. No, I was just saying that this past weekend, my mom and I flew down to her best friend's house in Jupiter. And she lives on Trump's National Golf Course, and uh, she took me to go hit some balls. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of into golf these days. But Sid was no really chance. taken back by it, you know, <laughs> since my dad absolutely hated, hated the sport it. of golf. Yeah, the again, I, I told him when Tiger won in 19, he came back and had that amazing dramatic win at the Open. Your father was genuinely excited, and he he reveled on that Monday morning. The day before, the day after, forget about it. I couldn't even mention golf. And to think that you and Carol are now becoming golf addicts. I mean, not like my own, mom. Not your mom. No. You have like your own golf clubs? No. But no, you, you, I'm want not, them, you want them. You want I them. I would get them. I really enjoyed it. Wow. It was really cool, but I was so sore the next day. It looks a lot easier than it is. Very hard. I will say that. Very it is hard. very hard. Yeah, I hate it because I always get the same blister on my thumb. Yeah. And by the ninth hole, I'm bored to death because I've already done the same thing over and over again. I lost 19 balls. Then I got to go to the bathroom. I got to travel like 18 miles. If somebody has the car, I got to walk. It's hot as hell out there. What is the fun of it? What What is good about it? It's very frustrating. I don't know. I've never done the whole nine hole or 18 hole. All I've done is hit the golf balls. That's as far as I've gone. <laughs> I would like to learn the rest, but we'll see. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Melanie McGurk on the golf. Now, you like to play sports. Mm. You've only, you, you say your father-in-law likes golf, so you, you yeah. play it once or twice. I've played a few games of golf casually. Yeah, yeah my father-in-law is big into it. I've, uh, I think it's called rounds. I'm, I'm not even sure. You may be a game. I think it's called rounds of golf, so you're not even sure right. how, to, how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm definitely not. Very casually. Very, Very casual. Casually, yeah. you, but do you play any other sports? I mean, you're in good shape, right? Do you go to the gym or anything? Or? I try. I do lift weights once in a while. Yeah, you're I, strong. I haven't been 
as much lately. Wow. But obviously, my dad used to drag me to the gym you right. know, when he I was younger. He made you go. He made you yeah. go. And he made you drink orange juice before. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Always. Yeah, no, he instilled, you know, being strong, being healthy, you know. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, I got to get back That's into it. That's stuck with us. And we yeah. have a Peloton at home, so I do the Peloton every day. And... Yeah, we've got it, too. We've got the bike and the treadmill for Daniel. Oh, yeah, we yes. just have the bike. And you do it every day. Every day. Well, you're both in very good shape. But you're beautiful kids, both of you. Both beautiful. So I know, you, you. I know you're saying I know it's very important to both of you guys, and especially now. So we were talking also during the break. Um, my radiothon is today. Not mine, but the Spotlight Foundation. My son has dyspraxia. This is really uh, Danielle, her heart, that, that brought this uh, to fruition. And it's important to us. But moving forward, knowing uh, what, um, what took your father's life, not his soul and not his memory, but his life, uh, it would only be right if uh, the three of us uh, did something similar to what I'm doing today for your father. And you, Melanie, and you, Brendan, had a couple of really good ideas moving forward to make sure that Bernie McGurk stays a part of this show forever. And more importantly, continues to help people long after he's gone. Talk about some of those ideas. I think it would be great because my dad was into athletics. He loved running. He loved biking, everything like that. So I think it would be a good idea to try to start something up. Where he could, it's like in, in memoriam of him, a fundraiser for the cancer he had. Yep. If we could do a run or a bike in Long Beach, that. Manhattan, mm-hmm. wherever. I, I just, it. it would be a nice thing to keep his name going. I think it's a great idea. And yeah. uh, my wife would want it for sure. She's a marathon runner. Corey Zellner would want it for sure. All of Long Beach would want it. All of Lido Beach would want it. All of Rockaway. Your father was very popular in my neighborhood, too. They loved him over the bridge, right over the bridge. I think you get a ton of people to do that. I think it's a great idea. I agree. I hope it can come to fruition, honestly. No, no, no. It's going to come to fruition. You know why? Because I'm going to make sure it does. All right. That's all you need to know. I'm going to make it happen. Perfect. And uh, you're going to run too, Brendan. How long do you want this uh, run to be? Like a 5K, a 10K? I mean, if I'm going to personally do it, it's got to be like a 5K. I can't be doing like half marathons. Ooh, or This is even better. So now, Melanie, because I think Brendan can do it either way. Now, because you said that, we're going to make it a 10K. Oh, God. That's oh, right. God. And you are going to train. And we're going to follow the – and you're going to train with her, Brendan. I'll have to, yeah. And the two of you will follow your training. You can do it – can you do 10K? Six miles. Uh, I mean, I haven't in a long time. Oh, this is going to be great. I so, to you can't do it. So none <laughs> no. of you can do it. So we're going to watch you guys train and get there, and then the day of, you guys are going to complete it, and that's going to make your father really proud. Don't do something easy mm-hmm. because that's not what Bernard did. You know that one time, uh, kids, we, we actually went to a, an event for Leslie Slender, and we um, it was for 9-11. So the firefighters had to run up and down the stairs at the Twin Towers carrying 70 pounds of equipment and you know, guys, they went up like uh, hundreds of floors, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, hundred floors, uh, 80, whatever it was. So we went to this Saturday morning one time we had this uh, big event, and they wanted us to run up and down like 56 uh, floors. You know, your father did it three times. Really? I mean, it was a show off. I do yeah. know that. He did tell me that once. Floors. Three times, Brendan. Wow. Everybody did it once. They came down huffing and puffing. He's like, let's do it again. Uh. I'm like, you show off. And he did it. And he never huffed, never puffed. Sure, yeah. So we got to make it a little more difficult for you. He always said to me, like, you should always take the stairs. If if yep. if anything, it's a good workout. You won't get stuck in the elevator. He was a big claustrophobic. Yeah. So he's like, just take the stairs. And I remember this one time in college, I was looking at screenshots that I had from my me and my dad's conversations when I was in college. And you, and went, to, you went to Cortland, if I I'm went correct. to Cortland, yeah. yes. And I texted him and I said, the elevators were broken all weekend. So I've walked up. Those 10 flights so many times, they finally fixed them this morning. And he goes, ha, huh, I'm so proud of you. Had you ever walked up before? And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> once. And he goes, 
do it once a day from now on or you're grounded and I'll rent <laughs> I'll rent your room what? out to a fat homeless guy. Oh my god. <laughs> That's that, that is I gotta crazy. tell you, this last hour has shown us a completely wow. different Bernie McGurk. It's refreshing. I love it. Though. I love oh, it. Oh my god. You know it was like too good to be true. I mean <laughs> listen, you better you know when I first moved to that building in Manhattan on the upper west side, I lived on the fourteenth floor, Brendan and Melanie. And uh, the building is a disaster. They promised to build a sunroof. They never built it. They promised to build a gym. The gym's like the size of this studio. It was a joke, you know. And I paid a lot of money, a lot of money, like Trump would say. And um, the elevator was always broken. So could you imagine I would walk to Gristidi's and buy a whole bunch of stuff. I'd have to walk up and down 14 flights. Up and down 14 flights is 28 flights. And I would come in and complain. Your father, and your father would be like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a great workout. He wishes he could do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what? He was actually jealous. Yeah, I said, right. I thought I was going to die yesterday. I'm carrying Coffee Cake Juniors up 14 <laughs> flights of stairs. He goes, that's great. That's great. That was your father. But then, uh, he'd, but then he'd say, now a better way to do it is if you go up sideways and hold one foot. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you go backwards. Right. Do it on your head the first seven, then take your feet for the next seven. That's You're... the better way. There's always a better yeah. way. Or if you hop up every two Skip steps. Every other yeah. stair, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's good, but the best way is this. Let me show you. He was a character. He was great. We're going to come back and uh, wrap up this uh, really beautiful conversation with Bernie's kids. I know, Carol, you're listening. We love you, too. Bernie, I know you're listening. We love you, too. And uh, your kids are right here with me. Brendan and Melanie, and we'll come back and wrap it up right after this on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, this was, um, I knew it was going to be great. I knew it. Because I know you kids. You're both great, Brendan and and Melody. And uh, we're going to keep doing this. And all these events that you want to do, Mel and Brendan, your father's memory, we're going to do them all. We'll do a, uh, a radiothon like I'm doing today. We'll do a run every year. We'll do a whole bunch of stuff. And as long as I'm in this studio and I'm doing mornings at WABC, your father will always be a part of the show. I think you both know that, right? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. good, because that's never going never gonna to change. Um, he's listening right now. So this is the part where it's not all that much fun. It was a great 55 minutes, right, kids? Yes. Um, he's listening right now, Brendan. What, what do you want to say to your dad? Uh, just, uh, you know, I... I love him forever. Um, you know, he made me the man I am today. And uh, I just want to, you know, pass everything on he taught me to uh, my future child. And, and what did your child do again? February 1st. That's awesome, man. 
And you Thank are you. a great man. You really are, Brendan. You're a very, very impressive kid. You've got a great heart. You're really bright. You've got a terrific job, a beautiful wife, a child on the way, and, and he was proud of you, and so am I. So Thank you. Thank you for that. Mel? I honestly just want to say that, you know, when I was a kid and I would write anything, they would ask me who my hero was. My answer was always my dad. Uh-huh. Always, without question, it was my dad. And I just want to thank you for everything you've given us. Like, everything he did was for us. And I know that. And it's going to be hard going forward without him. But I know he's here in spirit without a doubt. He's with us every single day. So, and I also want to say thank you so much to um, Mr. Katzmatidis and Mrs. Katzmatidis for having the memorial at St. Patrick's on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It was really, really such a beautiful day. And, you know, all the people that came to support, like, it just, it was so touching to me to see all of these people that my dad had such an impact on. It was very, very special. And thank you all for, for being there or live streaming. You're welcome. Uh, we will do this again very, very soon. You're going to Disney? Have fun. That'll be fun. Thank you. I know that uh, you guys love that. Uh, I used to go to Disney all the time, and I do miss it. And just know that um, for the rest of your lives, me and Danielle are both uh, here for you guys. And uh, I know you know that, and so does Carol. Thank you for coming in today. We'll do it again very soon, and we'll start working on those plans to put those events together, Perfect. okay? We have a lot more to say, so we can we can yeah. definitely come back. Listen, <laughs> you're invited any time. The studio is in there to your father. So yes. you're actually welcome here before I am. It's Dad's studio. <laughs> so the door is always open. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank I love you, you both. Folks, that is Brendan McGurk and Melanie McGurk. And how could you not love those kids? Well, buddy did a great job. And Carol. I know you're listening, Carol. That is that is the testament of a true man. Not how much money you've got, not who's got the biggest house, not who's got the nicest car, not who's got the best job. Look at your kids. And uh, man. Bernie did a terrific job. These are two beautiful kids. We'll come back and talk to Chris Matthews, Joe Pinion, and some more guests on this Dyspraxia Radiothon. The 9 o'clock hour on Friday morning is coming right at you. Thanks again, Brendan and Melody. I'll be right back. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back, folks. 906. I can't say enough about uh, both those kids. 
Lisa Ganji gave us a very nice donation. Said Danielle, Melanie, and Brendan were all great. And Peter King just gave a very, very generous donation. Peter King. He said, Sid, great show. Brendan and Melanie were outstanding. So genuine, just like Bernie. Danielle is better than you. And I'm donating blank. It was a lot of money. To Spotlight, see you soon. Peter King. What a great guy, huh? What a great guy. Somebody did call Danielle and ask for the actual foundation website. So just so you folks know, it is the Spotlight Foundation dash dysproxia, D-Y-S-P-R-A-X-I-A dot org. The Spotlight Foundation dash dysproxia dot org. And again, we're still taking donations right through the end of today's program. Doug, uh, what happened to Dougie? He was sending me all the um, all the generous donations. I guess he's actually working now, Doug Kitzler. Anyway, you can donate right at the station website, wabcradio.com, and you'll notice a button at the top of the page, all the foundations we do here. There's a ton of them. But the first one in that Dropbox is ours, Spotlight Foundation for Dysproxia DCD. Donate right there. It's very simple, very easy to use, as Pete Morgan points out. If for some reason you can't get to an Internet site, you can always make the phone call, 1-800-890-9088. We've got operators standing by. This is my sister's company. They actually advertise on this show, Berkshire Associates, 1-800-890-9088. But again, ideally the website WABCRadio.com would be the, the place to go. Kimberly Kravitz checking in and a host of others, Charlie Marino. We uh, will talk to Chris Matthews, Joe Pinion, and a couple more folks that actually work with dysproxia, have dysproxia. One 23-year-old girl from Manchester, England, and one adult, Eric Sugar, from San Francisco. And then we'll wrap it up. But my God, how great were Bernie's kids, huh? My God, just uh, really likable. They loved it. And they want to keep coming back. I told them that door is always open. You want to come back once a month, twice a month. In fact, I think what we'll do is, being the next big holiday after Halloween, Monday, is Thanksgiving. And I can't think of a bigger family holiday than Thanksgiving. I think uh, they're going to come back sometime between November the 15th and Thanksgiving and do it again. And then uh, during that period, I will work with them. Uh, like I do with Danielle, with our web, uh, our foundation, to um to put together these two events, an actual radiothon like this for cancer for Bernard, and then of course the run that Melanie was talking about, which I think is great. We're up to fifteen thousand now from the website. Thank you, Dougie. We wanted to do about twenty before the uh, day started. We thought twenty was a realistic number, and we're at fifteen. So, question is, can we get five thousand over the next fifty minutes? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, once again, WABCRadio.com, that's the website, and you can call as well. Have we heard from Chris Matthews yet, um, Mr. Um, Mr. Alec? No? I'll tell you what, then. We just had a great hour with, with, uh, with the kids, and we had uh, Allison Esposito, Lee Zeldin's deputy governor before that. Why don't we play this uh, young lady from Manchester right now? Her name is Athena Spahn. She has both, both dyspraxia and autism. She's got both. Then we'll hear from Joe Pinion. He's actually running against Chuck Schumer. And, in fact, they've got a debate coming up on Sunday night. Thank you, Chris Bavona. Thank you very much. I love Chris. He just made a nice donation. 
Uh, they got a big debate uh, debate coming up on Sunday night, and then we'll wrap things up. So this is a 23-year-old girl from Manchester, England. This is taped. I'm not going to lie to you. So you'll hear me introduce her. Here it is, Athena Spahn from England. Back here on the very first ever Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD Radiothon, inspired by my beautiful son Gabriel and started by my gorgeous wife Danielle. We've got a very special guest stopping by this morning. My son, of course, Gabe, is 13, and um, he hits those teenage years now. He's got dyspraxia, and we're going to see how it really affects him in his daily life. Thank God he's doing very, very well. But my next guest, Athena Spahn, is a 23-year-old young lady from Manchester, England, who, of course, uh, has uh, dyspraxia and DCD and is a disability advocate for autism and dyspraxia. And she joins us right now live from the U.K. Athena, Sid Rosenberg in New York. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, nice to have you. So you're uh, 23 years old. You're in those uh, rough years. I'm 55. I don't want to go back there. Trust me. <laughs> but but you've got dyspraxia, DCD. And you've got a great, um, great Instagram page, Life Through Dyspraxia, Life Through Dyspraxia. And you talk yeah. on this page, Athena, about some of the similarities and differences between dyspraxia and autism. Let's start right there. What are some of the similarities? What are some of the differences? I think I've done, I've only just been diagnosed with autism recently. So some of the similarities I found is through clumsiness. I've after talking to the person who diagnosed me, she said clumsiness is a big similarity. I'm not too sure about any other similarities. I'm still learning about autism slowly. Right. No, I understand. You're just kind of learning all that. But one of the things that you do talk about uh, that is kind of a symptom of both is clumsiness which I yeah. suffer from. I'm, I'm 99% sure I've got dyspraxia. That's why my son Gabe has it. I've never been diagnosed yeah. because years ago they didn't know about the dyspraxia here in the United States. But I'm a pretty clumsy guy. Is that something that most folks who have dyspraxia deal with every day like you, Athena? Yes. I um, When I was younger, it was more prominent to I'd bump into walls. I... Still feed, still feed on myself without realizing. I, I do I do a lot of stuff every single day. And then the other thing that my son experiences too, and I'm sure you do too, is years ago uh, more, but we would go to concerts, Athena, and it was very, very loud, or even a restaurant that was very, very loud, and Gabe couldn't handle it. In fact, uh, we'd often bring headphones to the restaurant so we wouldn't hear all the noise. That is a sound sensitivity. That is another symptom, yes? Yes. Um, I think that's another thing that overlap. I didn't realize I didn't realize that it was part of dyspraxia. I thought it was autism, which so it which makes sense and looking back at it now, yeah. And and what about uh like temperature? For example, my son does extraordinarily well in the cold. He doesn't really get very cold. You know, I'm an old guy, of course, so I'm freezing all the time, but uh, he he doesn't seem to to really get bothered by temperatures, sometimes if they're cold or hot. Is that the case with you, too? I don't don't know 
about in general. I know I have Raynard, so I get I'm quite sensitive to the cold. So I don't know I don't know in general, but I know I don't cope with the cold that well. Gotcha. Okay. Joining us right now, of course, once again is Athena Spahn, and she is an, a disability advocate for autism and dyspraxia. She's been diagnosed with both live now from Manchester, England. So you're 23 years old, Athena. Yeah. Uh, so talk about some of the difficulties or some of the challenges, I should say, that you faced as a teenager dealing with these disabilities in the UK? I think, um, especially like in school, I'd struggle understanding work. If um, if a teacher would give me an assignment to do, I'd read over it to like 10 times and it still wouldn't sink in, but like it'd sink on, sink in on the 11th time. I'd struggle communicating with people or, or communicating with people, understanding what people are saying and stuff like that, yeah. Did you feel, Athena, like, oh, my God, there's something really wrong with me that I can't do this? Or were you always aware that uh, these disabilities, that was going to be the case and you were able to get through it? I was I think I was diagnosed at seven years old. And my mom always told me up front that there's always a way, even if, it take, even if it's going to be a little bit slower than the average person, there's always a way. So although I did feel like I was different, I never felt like I couldn't accomplish anything. Oh, good. You see, my son, Gabe, is a social butterfly. He's got a group of friends now, Athena, in school. He's got a a group of friends where we live. It's never been an issue. He's always been a very popular kid. And I guess that he's got dyspraxia. I know kids who have autism, sometimes they do face challenges when it comes time for social interaction. Where do you fall in that mix? I really uh, struggle with social interaction. I know I struggle with eye contact. I I know when I go to talk to someone, my brain, I just feel like in a brain fog. I'm not sure. I don't know what to say. So it makes me look like I'm being shy or I don't want to be a part of the conversation when in reality I just don't know what to say. Do you know what I mean? No, I do know what you mean, actually. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so now that you know, we've come aboard here, the Spotlight Foundation uh, for Dyspraxia and DCD, my wife, Danielle, doing amazing work here. And I know that yeah. in the UK, for example, you guys do a lot of great work in Ireland, too, and other countries. But now that yeah. we've come aboard and we are really pushing forward to make something happen here, does that make you feel pretty good, Athena? It does. I feel like I feel like I'm happy that there's more recognition in the world happening with disabilities like dyspraxia and stuff like that. Yeah, it does make me happy. Now, in terms of your page on Instagram, Life Through Dyspraxia, again, I saw, you know, your, uh, your pictures up, cute pictures, and you talk about, uh, again, some of the, the things that you go through every single day. What are you trying to do on a daily basis with your Instagram page? I think I'm just, my Instagram page is trying to bring recognition for anyone who's newly diagnosed or just bring some support. To, so we're not alone and there's, we're not alone and there's always going to be someone like us in a community. Well, I have to tell you that uh, you're a great positive force. <laughs> uh, Danielle and I go to your page all the time. So does Gabriel. And to see oh, a young you. lady like you doing well, despite all these other things you have to go through on a daily basis is really very promising Athena for kids all over the world and adults who may be suffering from the same thing. So you should be very, very proud of yourself (laughs) for going out there, being an advocate and trying to help people like my son all over the world. Take a bow, Athena. That's a good job. Thank you.
Well, thank you for joining us today on this uh, first ever Radiothon, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. We'll be in London uh, in the not-so-distant future. I'm sure we'll look you up. But uh, thank you so much for hopping on today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, Athena, best of luck to you. You too, bye. Athena Spann, live from Manchester in the U.K., and we'll take a short break. More of the Bernie and Sid show, and, of course, more of the first-ever Spotlight Foundation for DCD Dyspraxia Radiothon. We'll be back right after this. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. I walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sing it, Dolores. This is uh, one of Bernie's favorite bands, Cranberries. It's a great song, 926. You know, I owe an apology to um, Tina Forte, the real Tina. She's running against AOC next week, and I love Tina. And Bernie loved her, too. We found Tina way back when when she was yelling on Instagram and um, put her on the show a bunch. And she has all the right philosophies. We're huge fans of Tina Forte. She had a big event in New City last night, and uh, she was sweet enough to actually have my books there, Citizens United. It's been a great week for me with the books, uh, ever since Kelly Ripper held it up on Monday. So she has this huge event, political event, draw the boxes out there for his American warehouse. I think Joe Pinion, who will now join us on Monday, was there. Either way, Tina Forte is a great candidate and a super girl. I could not be there in Rockland County last night. Um, so I apologize, but thank you for the beautiful text messages and uh, all that good stuff. Eric Sugar is calling now, but he's not on until 940. What did uh, Joe Pinion say, Lewis, about he's, Monday? I think uh, from what I could tell from Justin, he's uh, all fine with it. Good. So he's going to debate Chuck yeah, Schumer on Sunday night. He wanted one debate. He wanted one, uh, like Lee Zeldin got one. Zeldin wanted five or four or five and only got one, of course, and he destroyed her. And I would imagine Joe Pinion will destroy Chuck Schumer the way that um, 
My guy Zeldin destroyed Kathy Hochul. And the way that Dr. Oz destroyed Dr. Fetterman, Dr. Fetterman, John Fetterman, who of course had a stroke and had 9,000 excuses, my God. He was terrible, John Fetterman. He's the same guy that wants to let murderers out of prison, folks. Murderers out of prison. Forget about cashless bail. Murderers out of prison. I mean, he's a real sicko, a real lefty. If I play some of this uh, Greg Gutfeld stuff, Greg Gutfeld on Fox News, talking about how Fetterman is unfit for office. I think he's unfit, too, but not physically because of his stroke, because he's a psycho. Play Gutfeld 13 and 14, Lewis. But imagine if the Republicans ran a stroke victim. How would that fly? Do you remember the heaps of ridicule Republicans got when they ran a TV host? So Dems doing this, after doing this, they can never criticize anyone ever again for being unfit for office. Because it's obvious he is unfit for office. And by pushing it forward, they just, they, they will, of course, they'll have that argument again. But yes. <laughs> no one should take it seriously. Mm. Fetterman is now not just a Senate candidate. He is a hero. The Democrats are telling us he's a hero. I suggest they erect a statue of him in Philadelphia. And then in 10 years, when protesters remember that he's an old white guy who chased a black guy with a gun, they'll have to tear it down. So it's amazing how their stories just change over and over again. That's actually kind of funny. One more uh, also on that five show with uh, Gutfeld and Piro is my friend Jesse Waters. He, too, talked about Fetterman. Once again, courtesy of Fox News. Lou Rapino, this is cut number 18, Jesse the Waters. has been disrespected in the state of Pennsylvania, and it continues. Everyone has seen this, Judge. This has broken through the regular political landscape. If you're in Pennsylvania, you've probably seen it. You've heard about it. And if you're a regular person... All you think of is this guy can't listen and speak without the help of a machine. So the media thinks they're helping him by running these headlines that say Fetterman disability in the headline. Fetterman mm-hmm. disability. And if you're a casual reader and you glance at that, you think Fetterman disability. And, ju- and you made a great point the other day. It's not he's not on crutches. You know, he's not losing an eye. This is a. This is a cognitive disability. He cannot process language, and he cannot speak the language effectively. So you know you're not sending a guy that's 100% to Washington to represent you. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge that. And if the White House doesn't at least acknowledge that this guy isn't 100%, you're taking us all for fools. All right. uh, uh, That was Jesse Waters. Chuck Schumer, that debate with Joe Pinion, will be on Spectrum News, and it comes your way Sunday night at 7 p.m., and then you've got the state comptroller, incumbent Tom DiNapoli, uh, taking on Paul Rodriguez. Also Spectrum News. That's Wednesday night, all with this um, jackass, Errol Lewis. Anyway, uh, here's an old friend of me and Bernard's, the good old days on MSNBC when I miss, was on MSNBC. And Chris Matthews was always a gentleman to me and Bernie. We'd be traveling, going to places in New Hampshire and Boston and all these northeastern cities and Chris wasn't the huge star he became with Hardball just yet, but he was a big star. And he was always great to me and Bernie, and we really appreciated him. And even though uh, when it was all said and done, we disagreed in a big way politically, Chris kept coming on. Unlike Mike Barnacle, (laughs) Chris kept coming on, and Bernie loved Chris Matthews, and I still love Chris Matthews. And here he is. The man himself, uh, the great Chris Matthews. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Sid. You know, uh, actually, Barnacle was the one that would tell me 
if I got in trouble with Imus, which was quite frequent, and he decided he didn't like me too much for different reasons I could never figure out. I don't think there were any reasons to figure out. And 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 Barnica would say, call up Bernie. He's the guy. He's the human being. <laughs> That's so I true. Was, that was my human progress to getting Don Imus's brain, if there was one. <laughs> <laughs> that was, but, but, you know, it's funny. Every guest I brought on, uh, Chris, and I brought on, I don't know, he was so beloved. We put 6,000 people watched the mass two days ago. So let's say roughly I brought on 50 people the last two weeks who were guests on the Imus show. They'd all say the same thing. Thank God for Bernie because he would let us know, not if I was in a good mood or bad mood. He was always in a bad mood, but just how bad his mood actually was. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he reached the depths of the depression. <laughs> and, uh, and he could live with it, you know. I mean, some guys spend their whole lives working with people that are awful, and yet they find something in there that they find real and actually human. And and they can hang on to that, you know, just hang on. I think, I mean, the guys around about Trump are like that. Some of I knew in the old days, or I, yeah. I like him for a different reason. You know, I, I know he's brought down the government and all that, but, you know, I sort of like him. You know, <laughs> there's a reason that, that people find these uh, these causes for uh, for loyalty, which is a real thing yeah. with, uh, with Bernie. And loyalty to the neighborhood and the guys he grew up with. And there's all this tribalism, of course, in all that part of the world. In, in any big city, and kind of going to Cardinal Hayes is just an experience. I can imagine that you can live on your whole life. I mean, in the South yeah. Bronx, and uh, what a what a neighborhood, and uh, and and going and all the changes that are going on, and living with all of the changes, and fighting with them, and it's uh, it's a it's a it's a human carnival. <laughs> It really is, you know. It's but you talk, about, you talk about Bernie, personalities. Yeah, and you talk about Bernie's loyalty, Chris. I'm going to tell you this, not to get into the specifics of what happened. We don't care. But when, in fact, you had your little issue at MSNBC and you decided to step away, we were furious. Now we had you on after that, and we told you that yeah, we were furious. Well, it, that was the biggest bunch of nonsense ever. And we both said, Bernie and Sid, you deserved a lot better than that. So just know, again, even though I don't agree I all the time, that. we we had your back 100. percent I appreciate that, and a lot of people did. I, I honestly spent, uh, believe it or not, you got to believe this, two months responding to letters. I believe it. Two months. Yep. Just writing notes back to people who who took the time to write me letters, and uh, well, they saw for what it was. I said what I said. I admitted what I said in the in the in the makeup room with the person sitting next to me in the makeup chair, and I looked in the mirror and said something, and I opened. I admitted that on television. I admitted that in my book, my memoir. It's all there. Make it, make of it what you want. That's all I can say. It was nonsense. Uh, what do you think about this story that is just coming out this morning? It has actually hit about an hour ago. Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. I, I, I look. I know that I know that where they live out there. I don't. I don't know what this has to do with anything. I, I, I just assume it's, it's something wild that we're going to find out today. They got the guy. We'll find out today probably with the police. And the guy, so, he just, he just, he, uh, just no, he went into the house and just beat Paul Pelosi up. I mean, he beat him to a pulp, I heard. It looks, it looks, it does look that way. And yeah. we're going to find out from the hospital and everything. I mean, guy, it's a weird time. It's a weird, dangerous time. People are acting on impulse and uh, what they hear on television or radio and they, and they act on it. And uh, you got to, we all got to be worried about what we say because, you know, oh, <laughs> there's okay. all kinds of people yep. listening to everything we say. That every, is true. Every word. That is true. Well, I'm listening yeah. to you right now, Chris Matthews, so I want your prediction on what's oh, going to yeah, happen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> with... okay, I got the Black Irish view. Oh, this... 
Let's chalk this up to black Irish. I think I think the next two weeks are going to be worse for the Democrats. I think it's going to get I think male or female, husband or wife. I do think that the closer it gets to the election day, the more you worry about your household. You worry about what you're paying for food, 11 percent or 11 percent now and gas. And, you, and, it, and it's not just the price of gas. If you commute like a lot of working people do a lot, they have to have, you know, commute a long time that they pay a big chunk of their income. It's not just a dollar. It's the percentage of their income that's going to gas. And, you know, and, and, and everything's getting more expensive. The college tuition's going through the roof and all this stuff. But it, it's just taking something out of you. And I think they're going to go to the people in charge. And, that, mm-hmm. and the Democrats are technically in charge, 50-50 in the Senate, Pelosi in the House. And they're going to blame the people for the, for, for the basic food and the yeah. basic yeah. fuel. And I think that – Well, they should. And the, the issue, <laughs> the, the Dobbs thing on, on abortion rights, you know, I always think – and I, I, the, the abortion thing is far more complicated than the New York Times reports it. They put it on the front page as if it's a simple issue of the Dobbs decision is wrong. There are a lot of complexity in the Hispanic community and the Catholic community. There's a lot of complexity on that issue where people feel a different way than they think. They, they go, oh, you know, I think it should be legal, but we've got to make it early term and not late term. Uh, they don't want this partial birth thing. Uh, they, they really don't want that. So if you go from one extreme of, black, of, banking, of banning it to another extreme of saying uh, no restrictions, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute there, wait a minute. Not no restrictions. Late term's a bad thing that we got to be careful about that morally and uh, and physically. I just think we do. My son was three weeks late. You know, yeah. three weeks late. You're saying yeah. he wasn't in there? Hey, what? Well, of, course. No, of course. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. actually telling me he wasn't in there? Yeah. And so yeah. I think people all have their personal family experiences and women, especially. And it, obviously, it's a question of rights, but there's so much moral complexity to the issue that to think it's a slam dunk for. The, Dem- the Democrats is wrong. It's just not going to be that. Some people think about it on so many levels, and uh, they were about their daughters. They were the whole thing. It's it's human beings uh, worrying about a very human thing, and uh, I think it's going to be more complex for the, for the Democrats. I think bread and brothers crimes real issue in Philly: 560 murders, more more this year than last year. My brother won't even go downtown. I mean, he's a real Republican, but he won't even go downtown. Mm. But 45,000 people go downtown for the Phillies games. I mean, they're there. You can see them, yeah. and they're going crazy. And by the way, tonight's a big night. <laughs> I knew you were going to get there at night. some point. I, yeah. I, have, I have all my life known <laughs> Richie Ashburn, Robin Roberts, yeah. Kurt Simmons, yeah. Chico Fernandez. I know them all back then. And I'll tell you. Wait a second. You, you, left out, you left out Mike Schmidt. Uh, well, that seemed. See, I was sort of, sort of in the Peace Corps during Mike Schmidt. Okay. I was out of town during. Those were the heydays too. But I'm talking <laughs> about. I mean, the Robin Roberts five years in a row. That's right. The losing team had yep. 20 wins. Yes, he did. Come on. Yes, he did. No, he was uh, a great and, pitcher. He was and, great. Richie Ashburn was all was all, was yep. almost winning uh, yep. the, everything in batting. Yep. And, I and remember. Now we got this guy Schwarber. How the hell we got Schwarber? I know how we got. We paid for for, for Harper. But Schwarber is unbelievable. He is unbelievable. And uh, he was on a tear for the Nats last year. Yeah, he was on a tear. Yeah, I I, I think a football field (laughs) is 300 feet. Okay. This guy hit a football, a baseball, hit it 118 feet beyond that. Yep. Yep. Go stand at the end of a football field. Imagine a guy hitting a ball 118 feet beyond the other goal line. What are you, crazy? That's crazy. No, he's got great power. Listen, I want to get you back. 
uh, seriously uh, closer to the election in the next week or two. Spend a good amount of time with you because we're running out of time here at the end of the show. But I'd love to get you back because, again, Bernie, love you. I love you. I do see you once in a while now on MSNBC. I'm glad to see that. I'm, the- I'm, 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 I'm on with Joe. Morning, Joe and Mika. Good, That's great good, good, good. Well, they Look, should bring I, you I on. Just don't want to, I just can't tell you the really bad news. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to come on and tell you the really bad news. Good. Don't do but that. I think it's going to be tough in the Senate. You know, I what think, do you mean I bad news? That's Walker, good news. Listen, think, Chris, the Democrats, the, the Dems can't lose bad enough from me. What do you mean bad news? You're on okay, my well, show now. Say, well, from your <laughs> show, from your point of view, yeah, I think I think this race in Georgia is real, yeah, and I think that the, the race in uh, Arizona is real. And we're going to win them all, Kelly. We're going to win them and, all, and I think that people like some of them I don't know, but. The, the the governor of New York is going to get a scare. I, I don't know how. What scare? She's going to lose. What scare? She's going to lose. Zeldin's going to be a little careful here because I, I think it's up there close. I okay. think Patty Murray out in Washington State. There's going to be a lot of real close races. Okay. And, uh, you know, the only, only one I really care about, really care about is Tim Ryan. I right. really want Tim Ryan because he can change the face yeah. of the Democratic right. Party right. to right. a middle of the road. Right. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. J.D. Vance is going to beat him. Uh <laughs> You really trust his values? You really believe in that guy? Come on. Come on, J.D. Vance. He writes the book, Trashing Trump. makes uh, a lot of money, and it moves to San Francisco, bops back into Ohio, and claims he's one of the guys. Come on. I know. Chris, I got to run. Let's throw Chris on hold. I love you. Thank you for coming on and talking about Bernard this morning. Please come back in the next two weeks. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Special thanks to Joe Nunziata, the King of Williamsburg, and Kono, my two boys. Generous donation, too. Once again, you can still donate. As we start to wrap up this fine program today, go to the website, wabcradio.com. You'll see the button for the WABC Foundations at the very top of the page. You'll hit that. A bunch of foundations will pop up, but the first one on the scroll down will be ours, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. Donate right there. Now, if you can't get to a website, if you can't, you can make a phone call, 1-800-890-9088, 800-890-9088. But we'd rather you go to the website, wabcradio.com, and donate today. We're just about at 20000 which was our goal right before we started this at 5.55 this morning. When me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, drove in, she spent the first hour and a half with me on the air, did a great job. And she's got a whole team of folks that work together every day. One of those guys is Eric Sugar. He's an adult, unlike Gabriel, my son, and the young lady we heard from earlier. He's in San Francisco. He's got dyspraxia, and he joins us right now. Eric, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm doing well. Thank you, Sid, for having me on today. Uh, you're very welcome. We've had a very successful first radiothon, thanks in part, uh, in large part, of course, to John and Margot Katsimatidis, who we love desperately, uh, Chad Lopez, Emily, the whole crew, allowing us to do this. Eric, uh, unlike Gabe, my son, he's 13. You're an adult. You've got your own teenage son, and uh, you have uh, gone through this your whole life. Tell us what it's like to be an adult with dyspraxia. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, as an adult with dyspraxia, especially one that had to go through their entire life without knowing it even had a name, I had to figure out all the strategies, tricks, and tips that get me past all the stumbling blocks that uh, dyspraxia uh, threw in my way. So, uh, you know, as you know, as, as an adult now, I get to speak with a lot of other adults who have dyspraxia who are just learning about it, and I can help them with my experiences, my strategies, and I usually help them with a figure out a way forward. Uh, usually, these folks are looking for you know, a place to get a diagnosis, recommendations for books about dyspraxia, and often sometimes just uh, validation that they're not the only ones out there that have this condition. Yeah, I've had a number of conversations with adults who said things such as, like, I finally found my people. Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, amazing how many are out there just looking for validation and that uh, they're looking for help. Uh, you know, as an adult, the biggest things that typically people ha- with dyspraxia have trouble with are jobs. You know, that's just like right up there. And, uh, you know, they, they, they worry, you know, because they think dyspraxia is going to limit them. Uh, but, uh, you know, dyspra- people with dyspraxia tend to have a lot of strength that they bring to their jobs. Uh, dyspraxia doesn't affect the person's IQ. They are usually very, very intelligent. Uh, in fact, you know, their IQ gets stronger because they have to navigate a mind that can be unorganized. And so, you know, doing that over and over again, you know, makes them stronger. So, you know, often they're very good, great at uh, problem solving, developing strategy. They also uh, tend to be uh, excellent leaders. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I know it's there's, there's a challenges with dyspraxia you know, on the work, you know, on the job, you know, they have uh, often poor handwriting like I do, which is called dysgraphia and uh, dyscalculia, which is kind of like, uh, you know, dyscalculia is dyslexia, the dyslexia for numbers. I call myself an enumerate instead of an illiterate. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. before I had my iPhone, I was an amazing tipper. I would sometimes tip waiters 60% <laughs> The oh, that's funny. That's funny. You're a very, very bright guy. My son, by the way, also does not have very good handwriting, and neither do I, because uh, as I've talked about all morning long, I'm convinced I've got this uh, dyspraxia as well. Uh, and and I, 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 you charmed me at one point, Eric, because your son happens to be a very good athlete and a big baseball fan, loves the Seattle Mariners. And I read your bio, amongst the other team members that Danielle works with so closely a couple times a week, and you said the one thing you regret, or the, the one uh, piece of sadness that is associated with this dyspraxia, is that you can never have a catch with your son. I'm not gonna lie to you; I broke my heart when I first uh, read that. But I know you guys are so close; you've gotten past that. But that's a difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, you know, it was you know when my son was younger, especially, and he wanted to do batting practice. I was embarrassed because I couldn't get the ball over the plate. You know, I guess on the plus side, he was pretty good at chasing balls from the other side. <laughs> See, there is a, uh, there's always a silver lining you can catch in the uh, in the major leagues. Uh, by the way, you've yeah, got a ter- right. you've got a terrific voice. You ever do radio before, Eric? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did years and years ago on WHBQ in Memphis. Uh, yeah, so I, I did actually did some. Yeah, talk you sound shows, great. But, uh, I can tell you, you sound uh, you sound great. With the uh, last ninety seconds we've got here. Again, uh, my wife, Danielle, uh, working very closely with you and Izzy and the rest of the crew. 
and has really fallen in love with this uh, endeavor. And all you guys who do such a terrific job. What does the Spotlight Foundation mean to you? And moving forward, what do you think it'll mean to so many people in this country and outside this country who deal with this every day? Uh, I think, you know, actually having Danielle at the helm, it's going to be able to, you know, be able for us to be able to raise awareness, not only raise awareness, but get an officially diagnosed uh, condition. And it's going to get people the resources they need, the support they need, the diagnoses they need, and, you know, and, and people, you know, with dyspraxia are going to be, you know, a contributing member of, you know, every, you know, community across America. Which uh, you are already, again, a brilliant guy and a terrific father and a really super guy. All of our conversations, I enjoy them, Eric. I want to thank you so much for all the work you do every day with the group and Danielle helping kids like my son all over the world. And for these last six minutes here, you were terrific. You really were. So thank you so much. We'll talk again very soon, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day, Sid. You too. That's my friend Eric Sugar, part of the big team, along with Danielle and a host of others, Spotlight Foundation, raising awareness and making life much easier for people like my son Gabriel every day. We will come back and wrap things up on an epic Friday edition of Bernie and Sid right after this. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, heck of a job today, guys. Lou Rafino, what, what can I say about you? You're just, you're magnificent. Macedonia, Phil, this was your shining moment. I don't know what you did, but you, this was the best you've ever been. I, I, I'm in my prime. I could only get better from here. Congratulations. Justin Ellick, great work today. Deb Valentine was terrific. Danielle loves you, Deb. Frankie Diaz, Noam, the whole crew. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for all your donations. We did a great job today. Raised about 20 grand. One more time on the way out. Donate today at wabcradio.com. Do it right now. Hit that uh, foundation button, and you'll see Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. And donate on the way out today. Danielle, you are great this morning. I love you. Brendan and Melanie. Bernie's kids were terrific, as well as... Chris Matthews, Allison Esposito, and our dyspraxia guests as well. That'll do it for us for this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. It was a very emotional but terrific week. We'll all be back again 6 a.m. on Monday morning. Have yourselves a great weekend. Go Jets and Giants. Thank you, Joe Nolan. Until Monday at 6, from all of us to all of you, good night and hard. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.